Wrestling Geeks Happy New Year! It's your pal Dana Alves, and along with my amazing co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton, we're going to bring to you another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, the show in which me and Chris break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with news over said promotions. We're also going to, you know, just dive in deep to some news items. We got a couple champions that have been crowned in various organizations, some uh, some big matches uh, already. You know, we we just did the top 10. Well, you know, we, our last show, if you haven't got a chance to check it out, we did our uh, top 10 favorite uh, or not top 10 people of last year when it comes to men, women. And then we did top five for matches and tag teams. We've already had three matches that are uh, definitely ones to remember, I would say, in my opinion. But before we get to all that, let me introduce my co-host. Like I said, the Chris with the most. Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, Chris? Doing great, man. Happy New Year's to all the listeners out there and to you, Dane. Holy shit, was there a lot of wrestling. Are you excited to talk about all this? Yes, and uh, just warning the uh, beautiful public out there that listen to our show. New new listeners, thank you guys for checking us out. Old listeners, we love you and you know that. Um, but uh, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, when it comes to... <laughs> If you look across the board of all the televised wrestling that's over here in the U.S., and I, you know, I got to exclude the Mexican promotions because I don't even know if uh, Telemundo uh, over here still plays AAA. Uh, I think it's now just streaming, and then obviously it's it's uh, on the channels over in Central America. Um, but if you look at the American shows, the champions for each brand, if you will, Roman Reigns, SmackDown champion. Roman, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar, Raw world champion. NXT, Braun Breaker. Kazuchi Okada climbed back up the hill, got the IWGP world championship back. Well, technically, the new one, which I guess has a different lineage, but who gives a fuck? Wish she kept the old title. Thanks, Coda. Um, and then over, you know, uh, MLW with, with Alexander Hammerstone, NWA, Trevor Murdoch, uh, uh, GCW, technically still John Moxley. I mean, you go in each one of them, Impact, Moose. Uh, these are some of the most, like, when I say impressive, they look the most credible as wrestlers. Like when you come off the, the 80s, Chris. Uh, with the wrestlers that look like wrestlers, that look like domineering monsters, across the board, all the U.S.-based shows have some fucking dominating champions, I would say now. For sure. Um, did you but mention they, NXT with, with Braun Breaker also? Yeah, Braun. <laughs> like, that's, it, it's a crazy lineup, and it's, and I would even say Adam Page, to some extent, is has like a, a you know, I would say more of your 80s style wrestling look, especially compared to the rest of the AEW roster. Uh, it's crazy. Are we seeing a shift back to 
just pure athletes to some extent. I don't know. It's interesting to think about and talk about. But uh, the big news is, holy shit, did we have a bunch of title changes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I kind of want to just go over the the. We'll, we'll go over some of the other stuff on set events, and I'm gonna let Chris kind of guide us through some of uh, New Japan's uh, Wrestle Kingdom, which was three nights, uh, a lot of a lot of Wrestle Kingdom. Um, but mainly Brock. Okada and Braun, and uh, we'll start with Brock in day one. So, Chris, we heard going into it, uh, I don't know how good of a job they really, I know they did it on their pre-show, they put it on Facebook and whatnot, but on their main show, they kind of waited, I think, a little bit to uh, tell the news, and uh, I would have been excited uh, if we were in Atlanta watching this, honestly, regardless of, of the outcome of what happened. Uh, but Brock Lesnar, because Roman Reigns was out with COVID, uh, Brock Lesnar got added to the main event. Uh, and now, along with Big E, along with Seth Rollins, along with Kevin Owens, uh, and along with Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, a five-way wrestling match. Um, just a a big change to something. Now, if you were, like like I just said, like if you did get tickets... And went to the show. It would suck not to have Brock and Roman, but based on the outcome of last night, or not last night, of the pay-per-view's main event, it still wasn't that bad of a match, I would say, to be able to substitute for. Yeah, and I absolutely loved that match, and I think that it was it probably ended up being better than just a straight Roman Brock match would have been. So. I, I had no problem with it, and it, it, all the booking on the fly that WWE does, this is one of the better jobs <laughs> as far as something that you know to build towards. Um, and it eventually sets up a champion versus champion, which they teased again on SmackDown. So good shit. Yes, they did. I would have been stoked if I was in that building, which I could have been, but the tickets were fucking ridiculous here in Atlanta. What the hell? No, I, I completely agree with you. Um. Yeah, man. Trying to find my notes for day one. I've got a million other notes for everything else. Uh, so did you okay. watch the pre-show of this? Because I didn't, but I heard Rich Holland was on the pre-show teaming with Sheamus. He got his uh his his nose broke off his fucking face apparently by Cesaro on accident. Like, how long has he been up on the main roster, or was this just like a one-off appearance? He's been since you haven't watched Raw, you probably wouldn't know, but he's been mentored by Sheamus for the last couple of weeks. So they're building him up and putting him under him, and I guess he's t- showing him how to be a tough fucking UK fighter. I don't know. Okay, well that makes that makes a little more sense because uh, as you said, I don't always watch Raw. I did watch Raw this week because I heard Brock was going to be on. So. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go through the card and we'll talk about the, the five way, uh, Sheamus and, uh, Ridge Holland defeated Cesaro and Ricochet. I saw highlights from that match. Ricochet looked like a fucking monster just bouncing around. Uh, Ridge Holland, like I said, got his nose broken. Um, Usos defeated the New Day. That to me, it was the main, it was the first match and the last match on it. Usos and New Day are always going to have fucking good matches. You know, I, I, I just feel like they have that ridiculous chemistry that certain tag teams have done throughout the years. Uh, Drew McIntyre defeated Madcap Moss. At least he defeated him, I guess. RK Bro defeated the Street Profits again. So I don't know who the fuck they're going to be going against. 
I guess it's going to be Chad Gable and uh, Otis, it looks like. Edge defeated The Miz in a not good match. Um, not really because of Edge, but just because I, I don't think the pace they were trying to keep was working with The Miz too well, in my opinion. Becky Lynch defeated Liv Morgan in a uh, all-right match, uh, setting up for Liv to ask for another fucking match, and then hopefully that goes with Bianca Belair. Uh, moving forward and uh yeah those are the matches before the main event chris any highlights that you can think of uh for any of these matches the becky and Liv match was better than i actually expected it started out really sloppy but it picked up pace and i thought was a really good match they kind of fucked up the finish because i don't think becky was supposed to win clean nope um and the usos new day match was good but it's more of the same uh, they did give them a good amount of time to work. They gave them like 15 minutes or something. So I was a little surprised by that. But I mean, Usos retain and we've seen Usos versus New Day a bazillion times. I mean, it was a good match, but nothing too crazy. And everything else on that card was bad. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, like like the, uh, the Edge and Miz match, they tried really hard. And I think me and you were texting back and forth during the show, and it seemed like they added time to that match, I guess, to fill out the missing match, which was it was a bit weird. And they tried way too many fucking like very technical reversals that the, the Miz and Edge just kind of both got lost at certain points in the match. It was definitely not the best match for either of those two guys. And it's it's also building to a storyline I don't care about, which is an intergender tag match. It's so they got it. Man, instead of fucking WrestleMania, because I would be pissed if that was Edge's match at WrestleMania. And then, like, the Drew McIntyre Madcap match wasn't terrible. It was just fucking pointless, I guess, more than anything else. Yeah. And no, if, I can't believe I'm saying this, but no offense to Madcap Moss, but I mean, if you're going to have him and Corbin a pay per view match, I would rather see Drew against Corbin than fucking Drew against Madcap Moss. No offense to him. His laugh annoys the shit out of me. And like I said, I just think RK Bro, now they defeated Street Profits a million fucking times. And it looks like they're going a direction like we thought they would that, you know, Riddle keeps on losing for the team. And uh, maybe that's going to have dissension. What the fuck tag team division do you have afterwards now that the Street Profits have lost a bunch and they're probably going to beat Chad Gable unless they drop the belts to Gable and Otis? I don't see that happening. So. Uh, that tag team division's in shambles. Yeah, it almost makes me wonder if they're going to do... if Because there's rumors Walter is leaving the, NX, uh, the NXT UK. Are they just going to bring up Imperium as a whole group and put them in that tag division to set up? Because they're, they're already kind of teasing on NXT something with well, Walter and Riddle. So I wonder if that plays into it at all. Mm. Maybe they're going to go that route. I like that. I do like that idea. Let's talk about the main event, though. What we were waiting for. So the biggest pet peeve I have, in general, involves Big E. Because originally reported uh, that Dave said, Dave Metzler from the Wrestling Observer, Seth Rollins was the original person penned to win this said match. And if you think about it, Seth did get a random title shot last night. But it was supposed to be Seth and Big E with the potential, it seemed like at the time, Seth was going to take that title from Big E. We kind of talked about that. You know, Seth and Roman 
out of new stars, it seems like there's two of your stronger stars uh, presented. So Seth on Raw, Roman on SmackDown. None of us saw Brock Lesnar coming into the fucking mix. But then you add Kevin Owens, who you know, kind of does his thing to get involved in the match. Him and Seth form a bond for being past enemies. To They were just going to take out Big E and then fight amongst themselves. Uh, whoever won, the other one would give a title shot to. Kevin Owens got in. Bobby Lashley got in. And by the end of this, you know, it seemed like they were shifting to Big E as the winner of it. Brock's now add to it. Brock wins the match. I have the details for the match itself, Chris. But, man, it, it kind of, in retrospect, seems like, especially Big E, but Seth Rollins, to an extent, kind of got fucked over from this uh, these additions, if you will, to their match. Yeah, and I think WWE actually leaked a photo that had penciled in Big E winning this match when it was a four-way before they added Brock, like, yeah. if I remember right. So I could see a lot of fans being mad about Brock winning the title here if they're really going to unite the title belts, which I think is where they're headed. Uh, maybe I would say just because SmackDown is doing so much better than Raw currently uniting those title belts and have being able to have Roman and Brock on both shows helps raw. I didn't have a huge problem with the title change, but you know, like you said, it, it is kind of a shitty situation. If you're Big E or, or Rollins, whoever they were planning on going with, which seemed like it was Big E. But I mean, what do you do? You told the people they were going to see a Brock Lesnar match <laughs> on pay-per-view. Yep. So at least they, they didn't go the route they normally do where they're just like, no, nope, Brock's not here. Roman's not here. Fuck y'all. <laughs> At least they put Brock in a match. And it was one hell of a match. This this match has stuck with me. I know there's been, there was really, really good Okada-Takagi uh, match that we'll talk about later. This has been my favorite match of the year so far. It was just seven minutes of everyone going 100 miles an hour. Uh, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens were fucking incredible in it. And Brock and, and Bobby both look like monsters. Same with Big E. I, I think it just all around it made everyone look good because the match was so good. So loved it. Big fan. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we the, the thing I was trying to build to, too, was the fact that Big E, I think champions, I don't care if you're an attraction, champions should always go out last. And to me, it kind of painted the picture that all of a sudden I was like, maybe Brock is going to win this by the fact that he co did come out last which he ended up winning, but the match, the details itself, basically uh, everyone gets in the ring, Brock gets in the ring. As soon as the bell fucking rings, you have Seth and KO just attacking the shit and working on, and that would have been their thing throughout the whole entire match, uh, being buddies. It very much, uh, not so much Sammy, more reminded me in the spirit of Jericho and KO a couple of years back, and Kevin Owens is absolutely hilarious. Uh, but I, I just like how they double-teamed them. Then Brock came back, got the best of him. Then him and Biggie went at it. Then Bobby Lashley got him from behind once. Um, and then, uh, you know, the spear on the outside from Bobby Lashley was fucking awesome through the barricade. Uh, Brock, remember, you know, going into Rumble, he did not get one ounce of fucking, you know, offense on Bobby Lashley throughout the whole entire match. Uh, but then they double-teamed them as well. Uh, you know, getting back in the ring. And then Biggie and Bobby Lashley were like, fuck these guys. They got together, chased them up into the audience. 
I knew when Kevin Owens was gone from the group that we were about to see the giant man jump the fuck off the top of the entranceway uh, in the audience. And he did. Came crashing down, including his, you know, at least partner in the match, Seth Rollins, and apologized to him several times throughout it. Uh, Brock recovered, you know, and then they they took him out with the stairs. They took out Big E with the stairs. Uh, Lashley went through the announce table, and it really would come down to, you know, uh, Brock dominating, get, coming back again, kind of snapping out of it, and suplexing pretty much everyone out of their shoes. Uh, Bobby Lashley getting him in the hurt lock, almost ending the match. Big E interrupting that and then getting in the F5 and one, two, three. Brock Lesnar is your champion. Like you said, seven minutes, really quick paced match, but everyone was on their toes to provide this. Um, but yeah, man, a lot of fun and uh, very it's 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 interesting going forward having Brock as a champion since he's feuding with the SmackDown champion as well. Roman Reigns. Yeah, that, I mean, I think that's going to be a great match. That's a match people have wanted for a long time. It's a good setup for Royal Rumble. It made me more interested in Royal Rumble, for sure. Um, like I said, just an absolutely phenomenal match, especially for the time. And everyone hit huge spots throughout the match. You got the suplex party at the beginning. You had, like, the big barricade spot. Lashley almost putting Brock Lesnar down with the uh, full Nelson or whatever the fuck he calls it. <laughs> It's a full Nelson. Um, the One of the best things in the match, it, it was very subtle, was Kevin Owens earlier in the night had cut that promo where he was like, so me and you're on the same page. Seth Rollins, like you said, describing it. And then at the end, he's like, you're not lying to me, are you? And then in the match, he has a chance to break up a pin towards the end of the match where Seth Rollins is about to get the three count. And you see Kevin Owens not move. And he's actually like cheering for Seth Rollins. So you have this added layer that builds into their story, which seems to be being bypassed altogether since Seth is just getting a title shot down. Um, but that was like just a neat little layer on top of the match. And it played into the next night as well, which was great. It's a lot to like about this match, especially if you like big hosses. Because Big E, Lashley, and Lesnar, they're not small guys. KO either, <laughs> for that matter. Um, yeah, Seth's a smaller guy in there, and you know, Seth's a pretty decent size as well. But yeah, just great match. Yeah, it would come down to a they they gave the next match on the next night the main event in the main event of Raw, which was supposed to happen a four way now to determine the number one contender. Um, with Raw, I, I I just wanted to kind of highlight and wrap it up because I thought the the main stuff with Brock coming out on these stairs, making it his podium and him and Paul Heyman going back and forth. I thought it was awesome. And, uh, I love the promo that Big E cut, you know, Big E, unfortunately, if you look past and I, I forgot who, which outlet, uh, reported this, it might've been Fightful, but just showing the amount of losses that Big E had within his title reign, usually within tag matches, multi-man matches, and a lot of times qualifying matches, uh, but still, Big E, you know, even if he was supposed to win, it cut an awesome promo. Um, I told you, you know, a lot of his stuff, since he's been taking it a lot more serious, he still has that, that preacher flavor, but 
very much akin to one of his mentors from the past, a great Dusty Rhodes. And the four-way match at the end, Bobby Lashley getting the win. But that sets up, like we said, an awesome match for Royal Rumble, one that we've been wanting to see a lot of fans for a long time. And Bobby, I think, has brought up his wrestling game a lot. I think him and Lesnar will have an excellent match. And I have a... I'm not going to say it, it's 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 definitely a prediction. It's not it's not a uh, what what the hell does Paul Heyman say? Um, spoiler. It's not a spoiler. It's or it's, it's not a prediction. prediction. It's a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll just leave it for that. But uh, you, you know, some of the highlights at Raw definitely were stuff involving Brock Lesnar and a title picture. There was some really good promos on this in general. I know you, you already touched on the Biggie one, but Seth actually cut what I thought was one of his better promos. And it's almost like they had a bet, <laughs> like someone had to buy dinner for who could cut the best 80s promo because they both had like a very like late 70s, 80s feel. Like I was waiting for Seth to throw in a brother <laughs> at one point or an ooh yeah, he, he didn't he didn't like it there. But there's good promos. Um, this match was longer than the one from the night before, but I think it made sense. You saw some of the same spots. That's That would be my only critique of this match, is like uh, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens doing the some of the tag stuff they had done the night before, like the outside frog splash. Still a really good match. Kevin Owens is fucking insane hitting these sentons <laughs> out of nowhere. I, I really like Bobby Lashley winning. I think that it gets that match out of the way with him and Lesnar at Rumble. My only worry is if they are going title versus title, what does that mean for whoever wins the Royal Rumble? And they fucking announce Johnny Knoxville's in the match, and I'm terrified that they're going to have Johnny Knoxville win this, and then Lesnar and Roman just destroy this poor guy before Mania. Uh, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. I think he's going to get Drew carried or something. Well, no, Drew Carey jumped out of the fucking ring because of Kane. I think that this motherfucker is going to get launched through the announce table to the, from the outside from a bunch of people. Johnny just probably wants to go in there to get hurt because that's uh, – um, Johnny's kind of a masochist, uh, as we've all presented uh, in the past if you've been a jackass fan. But, um, yeah, man, I think my, – my and you could you might have a different take on this, but I agree with you. I think that Bobby's going to win. I think it's – I think they're going to have that championship match at the beginning of Rumble – the Rumble itself, and then end it with Seth and Roman. Um, the reason why I say that, a lot of me thinks that the direction they're going, Paul Heyman is going to finally, along with Roman, probably fuck over Brock in that match um, with Bobby taking that title to Mania, most likely. Uh, and then, you know, whoever wins the Royal Rumble picks, but I, I, I think that that's going to happen. I could see Brock entering the Rumble somehow. Piss, full of piss and vinegar, winning the fucking Rumble and going against Roman once Roman retains his title from Seth Rollins and kind of putting it on the last big guy within the company now. You know, it sets up WrestleMania, Roman versus Brock for the title and also, you know, Bobby Lashley versus whoever they want to put against him, uh, whether it be a Big E or whoever. They could put someone against Bobby Lashley and get a good match out of But I think that might be the path they're going. I could be wrong, though. I mean, do you want Brock to drop the title so soon, though? That's the only... I mean, I guess it really doesn't matter, it, but... I guess, it, I guess it really comes down to, are they going to finally unify the titles? Which, even though that Brock brought it up last night, 
I don't think they are, unfortunately, because I would love Brock versus Roman unification title match. Probably Becky versus Charlotte unification match. Damian Priest versus Shinsuke, which would be an awesome unification match. And then Usos versus whoever has the titles because RK Bro probably will disintegrate by them. Maybe Profits again, you know, and just unify the fucking titles. All of them. There's no point. I- yeah, I mean, that that's kind of where I was going with the – I was mostly kidding about the Johnny Knoxville thing. But I, I do think they're trying to unify the titles. That's been reported by multiple outlets. does seem to be where they're headed. And I think mostly just because Raw is getting beat by SmackDown every week in the ratings. Um, yeah. So, so that allows you to move the main event around. Realistically, I would assume that whoever wins the Rumble that sets up, maybe they do a three-way at Mania. They got to find some way to get around that stipulation. That's the biggest obstacle they have for unifying the titles. Is you know whoever wins the Rumble gets a title shot at Mania. It's been there. It's been that way for forever, right? So, I mean, outside of the one year where. Flair won the title in the Rumble. <laughs> Outside of that, it's always yeah. a build to Mania. So it's that's going to be the one problem they have um, if they're trying to do this title versus title at Mania. So, you know, kidding around, if you put Knoxville in there, they, it, he somehow wins. You could just have him get destroyed. Outside of that, they technically would set up a three way match. Potentially, right? yeah. Um, but I had no problem if they go the opposite route. Bobby Lashley wins the title from Brock. I'm not a big fan of switching the belt so fast because Rumble's what this month. But if it feeds the storyline, though, like with if it potentially is Roman and, you know, uh, Paul, Heyman and Cahoots fucking over, you know, Lesnar and Lesnar murdering people in the Rumble to get the mania to kill Roman. I think that's still. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, though. But I mean, Brock technically wasn't even supposed to have the fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, then he, I mean, you could have just had him not win it. That's the, you know, that's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it does demean the title. Um, but, you know, if what you said makes a lot of sense. They do Brock versus Roman. Like, you know, Roman, if they do that match at the beginning, Roman gets screwed over. Or, Brock, I mean, Brock gets screwed over. He wins the Rumble. And then he challenges Roman. You set that match up. And then you could do Bobby Lashley versus Big E, which I think would be a big match. Um, you know, they got a lot of press with it being Sasha and Bianca last year. And this would be two African-Americans who have both held the title. That's a big match. I guess it just depends on if they're, you know, like you said, unifying the titles or not. But that, I mean, that setup makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I'm just, I'm curious on what direction they go. We'll talk about the Women's Royal Rumble when we get to uh, SmackDown. I'm also curious on where that fucking thing's going to go. You know, especially with 11 people not being announced and them announcing already a bunch of extra add-ins. By the way, if you didn't know, guys, out there with two different shows and all these cuts going on, the women's division uh, doesn't really have enough people to even have a fucking Royal Rumble. So they have to do all these additional things. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll go into that. Uh, Let's talk about our second new champion and the pay-per-views that surround him. God, the Rainmaker has won the IWGP World Championship. I don't know what the fuck the new iteration is for this. I think it's just a world championship. Um, And as much as I love Shingo Takagi and Will Ospreay, and I'm not sure Naito is going to get that belt. Actually, I I don't think he is at all, which I'm a huge Naito fan like yourself, Chris. 
God, to see that title back on Okada, just awesome. And beating Shingo and Osprey will kind of go into some of the details of their matches. Like I, I kind of want to give you the lead. Uh, I'll let you know which matches I watch and whatever highlights you want to go over for said matches or any of the other ones that I might have missed. Uh, but just going into this, man, uh, or us talking about it, Kazuchi Okada, your IWGP world champion, uh, I mean, duh, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, the biggest match on the show by far, and I think, to me, was the best match of Wrestle Kingdom, him and Takagi. I don't know if it was as good as their last title match, but it was it was a damn good match. Um, I mean, everything that they've done previously, they did here. You had a bunch of opening chain wrestling, um, a lariat from Shingo to put the match outside. Then you get, you know, they you have like a, a floor DDT on Okada. They get back in the ring, it resets, and there's just a bunch of back and forth. They hit every one of their moves. Um, you had both hitting DDTs on each other. Okada put him in the money clip multiple times. He had a tombstone. Um, I'm kind of with you on the money clip now, just because they use it to kind of change the pace of the match so much. Uh, there was a spot where Okada tried a Rainmaker and, and Shingo fucking reversed it into his own Lariat. And Okada makes this great pissed off face and he just like fires up like he's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> kind of in the middle of the match. You remember the spot, Dane? <laughs> yep. Uh, it was great. So then they go back outside the ring. Um, they come back in and, you know, the Shingo hits Made in Japan twice. Okada kicks out. And... Um, yeah, at the end of the day, Okada hits the pitch perfect drop kick or whatever the perfect ten drop kick, whatever he calls it now, and then he just fucking hits him with a rainmaker and pins Shingo. <laughs> and he is the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. One hell of a match. Uh, my recap probably didn't do it justice. I definitely recommend going and watching this. While I said I I, I liked that seven minute five man match more. To be fair to Shingo and Okada, this was more of like a pure wrestling match, and I've also seen them wrestle three or four times this year already. Um, well, not this year, but let's say from going back before G1 until now, I've kind of seen this match quite a bit. Uh, damn good match, though, and really great to see the title back on Okada. Like, like you said, nothing against Shingo, but you know, New Japan starting to have live audiences again. They needed it to be on someone with that name recognition, a Tanahashi or an Okada, that's, that's going to be their two biggest guys. And, um, after the match, you had Naito come out and challenge Okada. No, Osprey came out. Naito came no, out Osprey, the next yeah. Naito came out the next night. Yeah, that's right. Cause Osprey and, and, uh, Okada are night two, which I guess we'll get to outside of that match. Um, and I think I sent you this. The Desperado Takahashi match was absolutely incredible. Really good match. And Dude, Desperado. I don't know if he was, gonna, he was trying to go for his his costume looks so awesome. And it looked much unlike his normal black and white uh, costume that he usually wears. It almost seemed, especially with the face part, he's um. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Obviously, a Japanese based wrestler goes over to Mexico, becomes popular over there, comes back, 
and you know use Lucha Libre within the light heavyweight division. One of his idols, Ultimo Dragon, uh, who actually won the title uh, this last weekend over at a at a uh, which we call Dragon Gate, um, and had an awesome match. I kind of almost forgot about that. But anyways, Desperado, that full white and that the the head kind of looking very Ultimo Dragonish. Him and Ta- they they had a fucking awesome match, and Hiromu went over. But I uh, really, really enjoyed that one as well. Yes. Um, I guess the other big spot would be Shibata having his first match with striking. This isn't his first match back, but his first actual match back, which apparently he did way more than he was supposed to. I don't know if you heard this. Um, <laughs> he kind of went off script with what New Japan wanted him to do. It was a really great match, just a, a, a to me, just a very inspiring moment for a man that almost died. Like, they had to drill a, ma- a hole in this guy's skull to release pressure from his brain after that Okada match with the headbutt, which we all know. He was told his career was completely done. Um, from now on, unless the person dies in the ring, I'm not going to believe their career's done. Because apparently people just come back from anything. See Daniel Bryan, see Edge, see Christian, for instance. Uh, the uh, Hiromu. Yeah, Takahata. Yeah, Hiromu Takahata. break his fucking neck, and he's back in the ring doing crazy shit like sunset, sunflip power bombs to the outside still and shit. Like, Jesus. Uh, how did you like? Did you like the Rin Narita? I was surprised oh. they went with Rin to go against Shibata, but I thought it was a really fun match. Well, it's funny because, you know, in the dojo system, Ren was trained by Shibata. They definitely went into that. Kevin Kelly uh, and the other commentator, I forgot what his name is, really went into the history of those two. And he fucking looked like Shibata. Like, I was hoping, (laughs) I was hoping, you know, the first dream match concept scenario I said was Brian Danielson. And if, if Shibata can keep up that type of pace and just keep it safe, him and Brian Danielson would still have an awesome match. Um, I think, uh, I, see, I wasn't sure, Chris, if it was a shoot or if they were, you know, working that in, like, you know, Shibata did get clear, but if that's true, uh, God, that, that's a scary concept that he would just go out there, do a match that's more than he said he would. And then fucking, you know, just take that risk. But I love Shibata coming back. I hope the best for him. Ren Narita really, you know, he's been battling over with filthy Tom Lawler in the U S and, uh, He's good. So if that's like Shibata's person, I didn't want to see him in Kenta because I love Kenta. Well, I don't, I'm not going to say I love Kenta. I, I like Kenta, but he's stiff as fuck. And even though he's best friends with Shibata, you know, they came up together. I just don't think that, that he, he would be the safest person to be in the ring with Shibata. I, I, I do like the way they approach this match. It was very, as far as a New Japan match, it was very light, which makes sense with Shibata. Uh, especially considering what Shibata was before his injury. Yep. But a lot of like the uh, submissions and stuff they hit, like it was cool seeing Ren um, lock in a clover leaf at one point, um, you know, and Shibata gets to the ropes and he just locks in another leg lock. There's some good spots in this match. Yep. Um, and Shibata was able to more sell his leg and kind of take your mind off, you know, what had happened to him in the past. I think the commentary, was really good on this match and building how important how incredible it was just to see Shibata back at the ring. When they said he went off script, I don't think, you know, he was obviously cleared for this match or they wouldn't have 
done a, a true match, but I think they just went longer than they were supposed to and maybe did more. <laughs> yeah. They did but a lot of Shibata. <laughs> I didn't expect Shibata to wrestle uh, like that. You know, it was supposed to just be a real actual, um, well, it was presented as a uh, wrestling contest, like a actual amateur wrestling contest. And then obviously Shibata grabbed the mic and said, fuck that. We're doing a real, you know, full on professional wrestling match with strikes and everything. So, um, whatever, I mean, if, if he wants to do it, I really do worry about him. But then again, like we just said, I worry about Brian Danielson. I worry about edge. I worry about Christian. I worry about Hiromu Takahashi every time I watch their matches, because all of them came back from what should have been, and especially back when we were used to, when we were younger, they should have been done. I mean, look at Stone Cold Steve Austin, look at Arn Anderson. You know, it just it's amazing these men are able to come back and we should be really happy that we get to see them. Hopefully they don't have any major injuries from coming back. That's the biggest worry as a fan. Yeah. And and Shibata's doing great work in New Japan, um, strong here in America in that dojo system. Yep. I'm just really happy to see him back. And uh, the the other big thing from this was the Ishii match was not great. Which is crazy. Which, was, which is surprising. Um, Dave Meltzer, I think, gave this one star. Damn. Which a says match. a lot. And I'm not going to uh, put a lot of it. I watched it because of the names. I'm not going to put a lot of it on, on Ishii. Um, no offense to Evil, but it just seemed like he was just kind of behind throughout a lot of the match. I like the show and yo match too. I thought that was a really good one. Yeah. The, the, I think what Meltzer said is that this was a house of torture match, not an Ishii match and a bad house of torture match at that. And house of torture. Yeah. That's uh, it. That's about all you can really say. The rest of it was just tag matches. Really? I mean, I I don't really pay too much attention to these, and I you know I think we've talked about kind of the best stuff on the first night. The only other notable thing I can think is that January twentieth, New Japan is back on America TV. They're going to be on Access again, um, which they lost that contract because, if I'm not mistaken, Mark Cuban sold Access right mm-hmm. to is Anthem the one that owns Impact. So Anthem conglomerate company that owns a bunch of cable networks, they buy access from Mark Cuban. They immediately try to set forth a New Japan working relationship with Impact. Impact's or New Japan's like, no, nah, we're good. <laughs> this was pre-COVID, obviously. Um, and they get taken off Access TV and haven't had American TV. So it's interesting that they're going to end back up on Access. I don't know what that means. Obviously, you have New Japan guys in Impact currently, so they've had more of a working relationship in general. Um, but I don't know if that means we're going to see more of that. But it is interesting, you know, that they ended up working that contract out. And, and you know, good. Uh, I, I want to see more New Japan. Obviously, there's certain pay-per-views that I don't check out just because I you do have to go out of your way to watch some of the shit. Um but yeah, how, how do you feel about that announcement? Great. Um, I definitely like it. I mean, like everything that you said, I mean, the fact that we are seeing New Japan stars on Impact after that whole entire like, fuck that, we're not we're not doing business with them. Um, you know, that was pre-pandemic, like you said. So now that we are seeing that interaction, they're both on the same channel. And unfortunately, Ring of Honor is not an entity anymore. 
Um, I, I I like the fact that New Japan's coming back. Um, and that's why I consider it once again, you know, one of the tele- televised promotions over here in the U.S. That's why I was talking about Okada earlier. So it'll, it'll be good to see a return. Uh, I hope that they take it. I hope they kind of tweak it a little bit, take it more in a New Japan strong from what I've watched. Seems like they have more of a week-to-week style basis instead of event-to-event, if that makes sense. Um, and obviously, just keep your English commentary, and uh, we'll go for there, you know? Yeah, and last time it was here, you had – they redid the commentary because they had Jim Jim Ross overdub the commentary, which was a little weird when they would do the ex- access. What UFC um, fighter you did the uh, – Shit with him. Oh, God, I can't. Josh Barnett. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't think they need to do that, obviously. It is going to be, I mean, all they're going to be doing is taking whatever they put out on New Japan and and hopefully just airing the American content. It always comes out like two or three weeks after the event. That's what they were doing previously. I wonder if they don't just show new Japan strong, as opposed to, I, I don't know. They didn't really go into detail of what they're doing. They just said that there's going to be back on access. So who knows? I, I guess that takes us into night two. And then I will just, you know, obviously Kazuchika got Like we talked about earlier, becoming champion against Will Osprey. Great match. Not as good as their match last year. Awesome match. I agree. Um, God, Will Ospreay, you know, I know that they talked about Muda making it popular against Hulk Hogan, but when he does that spot, I think it's the third time I've seen him do it, where he climbs up that giant tower just to come back and kind of make it look like he's doing a uh, reverse DDT, Scorpion Death Drop, if you will. It just looks like it's fucking him up more than the other person, because he just kind of like hits him with, you know, uh, his tricep coming down and they fall against the ground, but he's jumping from such a height and God, man, that's going to be some pressure on your knees. But I I thought they had an awesome match. uh, And I think Okada was the right person to go over. And I love that Naito is the next guy to be in line because he should be. So we'll have to see. I don't know if Kota follows that. Okada's going to have a lot of people to go through. And I still wonder if, if in the, uh, you know, the workings, you know, once stuff gets a little more, calm down over in Japan and even over here to an extent with COVID Okada making a U.S. you know presence over on New Japan strong and then also maybe coming over to some other wrestling promotion and doing some work but I think that he should be your champion for a while going forward Chris I agree with you I mean at least until G1 or Dominion I think that he should probably hold that belt because they've had Honestly, they since he dropped that belt, they've had a lot of short-term champions, which is kind of strange for New Japan. Um, you know, usually you have people holding the belt for almost a year. Obviously, with COVID, that changed quite a bit. Um, but even before that, you know, after kind of after Omega left, honestly, they haven't really had a a dominant champion. Someone like no one even close to the reign that like Okada's had or, or Shinsuke had previously. Um, or Tanahashi, those long reigns that really build that title up. So I hope that Okada keeps this thing for a while. And I think that's probably the route they're going to go, which is fine because Okada doesn't have bad matches. So it's a win-win for everybody. (laughs) 
there was a, a section in this match I just really wanted to touch on. I had I, I actually added my notes. There's um, Osprey tried like a Sasuke special, and Okada catches him and turns it into a pile driver. He hits like a huge ass drop kick, like he's known for. Um, gets a near fall, then he picks up uh, Osprey and he he tries to go for the Rainmaker, and Osprey turns it into like. Uh, he tries for the Rainmaker. Osprey breaks out of it. Okada tries to hit another drop kick, and Osprey catches him in mid fucking air and power bombs the hell out of him. It's fucking great. And how about then, the uh, how about the Rainmaker into the Spanish Fly? I thought that's one of the best timed Spanish flies I've ever seen, just because it looked like I'm coming at you. Oh, he grabs him, uses momentum, flips him the fuck over, and slams him. And we know Osprey. He's a pretty snug wrestler, so he makes stuff like that actually look more impactful than some other wrestlers, I would say. Yeah, and it looked great coming into the – because you're coming off the ripcord for the Rainmaker and the speed that they did it at. I don't know how. I mean, it's Okada and Osprey, so I shouldn't be surprised, but holy shit, did it look – I'm not a huge fan of the Spanish Fly. To me, it's a lot like you know the Canadian Destroyer, yep. um, but this one looks really great. Like it looks great. And uh, yeah, that whole section of about five minutes is absolutely incredible where they start, uh, you know, Osprey grabs the wrist and starts laying in his own lariats and tries to hit like a super Oz cutter. And it's, it's great. It was a really, really good match. Not as good as the one they had last year. Like I said, easily the best thing on night two. Um, And afterwards you got, like we said earlier, or I accidentally spoiled, I guess, as Naito comes out and challenges Okada. And it's going to be at, I want to say, it's an anniversary show. I don't know if it was the 40th or the 50th, <clears throat> but it's going to be a big show for, for New Japan. And that's a great um, Tanahashi and Kenta. No DQ match. Yeah. Not a huge fan of this match. The spot at the end was impressive because the ladder that they chose to use was like two times the fucking size, I would say, of every ladder. When Kenta fell off it, another spot where it's like, damn, your knees must have almost exploded um, because he just fucking caught himself and then fell on his ass. And that looked just painful as hell. So seeing Tanahashi for the visual at the end going you know, off the ladder was cool. But me and you have said, like, I think Kenta is a very strong – like. His strikes, everything's snug as fuck. He looks like a good brawler, but, you know, I know he was mentored by the great Kenta Kobashi, uh, but I just, I've watched a lot of Kenta Kobashi matches, and I don't, Kenta's just more of like a, a good striker, basically. I, I don't think he's anything really that special. Sorry. Yeah, and I, I guess, like, you know, I missed a lot of his early career but he had a run here in the States with NXT and I wasn't a huge fan of him here. And I haven't been necessarily the biggest fan of his matches since he has been in new Japan. So I, I, I like I told you, I think I texted you this. I was like, maybe I'm just not a Kenta guy because I usually like the majority of Tanahashi matches and it could be just a mixture that it was also a no DQ match kind of, which is always a little weird for Tanahashi to be in. Um, like you said, the high fly flow through the table, that was pretty cool. They had a great visual where Tanahashi's like pinning Kenta and Kenta's bleeding to death. <laughs> that, yeah. was, that was kind of neat. Um, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch this match. I, I would say that. If you're trying to limit the amount of time you spend watching, um, for the listeners out there, spend watching Wrestle Kingdom, to me, you could skip this one. 
Uh, somewhere right now, Dave Meltzer's shitting himself, dang. <laughs> By me saying that. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the match before it with Naito and uh, Jeff Cobb was fucking awesome. Yeah, this is this would be the other match I would say watch from this show. Uh, unfortunately, Jeff Cobb injured his knee during this match, so I think he's going to be gone for a while, which Damn. sucks. Because um, Jeff Cobb has been great in New Japan, specifically in the G1 tournament. He went on an absolute tear uh, to the point where I even I was like, man, maybe they will let Jeff Cobb win that. That'd be fucking weird, but because um, he was undefeated through the majority of that tournament and. Holy shit, this was a great match. Ah, oh, man. I'm trying to think if there was a specific spot that I really, really liked. I know that Naito locked in a couple of really nifty um, Indian death locks throughout the match, just kind of out of nowhere, which is kind of cool to see him do that. And Jeff Cobb is just a big beast. There was a really cool looking visual where um jeff cobb's busted open and naito hits this ddt and it's jeff cobb like the way he looks up after the ddt they had this really really cool camera shot um trying to remember one of the things that i remember from this match clearly is just naito's obnoxious entrance and how much i missed it of him coming out and even like (laughs) He's doing the Scott Hall thing, like he's just looking at him. Looks like he's chewing some gum, slowly taking off his tie. Even before he gets in the ring, just Jeff Cobb looks like a pissed off bull. He looks at him and does a hoo, like with his fingers, and shit like that. <laughs> gets in the ring, even when the bell hits, still taking off his clothes. I just love Tetsuya Naito, one of the best personalities in pro wrestling today. I, I know, and he, he's supposed to be a heel, but it's like, he is that cool Scott Hall kind of heel, right? Like even going back to his feud with Omega, where he he would just spit <laughs> directly at Omega's face and shit, like throwing the titles in the air. Uh, Naito does it up to nine thousand. I would love to see, and we haven't gotten it, but I really wanted to see Naito in, in AW, specifically when Moxley was on his title run. I was like, man, that'd be so great. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. But uh, we haven't we haven't gotten it yet. I will say um, those were my two favorite matches of the night, the main event and that Jeff Cobb Naito match. The Sonata and Great Ocon match was surprisingly good as well. Um, a lot of people okay. said that this was a slower match, but I didn't watch I didn't watch all the tag matches before, so maybe I didn't have as much of a problem with it. I did watch the Junior Heavyweight Championship match with a uh, that the Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask match. And I think Taguchi and Rocky Romero, um, Phantasma and uh, Ishimori. And uh, Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask ended up retaining the titles. This was a good tag match. I I, I think AEW has jaded me for tag matches because I have high expectations (laughs) on like every fucking tag match now. Um, But yeah, that was, there was a lot of shit on this and then day three i have not watched yet but the big thing there is uh was that the move is muda and i can't remember who his partner is and okada Hashi. Uh, kaito uh kayo uh i always mess up his name uh kayo mia which is he's known for um for wrestling noah 
Hamuda has been mentoring him as well. He's trained through pro, pro wrestling Noah, and I think has been the G. Uh, what is what is that title called over there, Chris? The GHW title for a while. He might have gotten it taken yeah. off him by Muda. Maybe he even regained it before coming over to New Japan. GHC. Yeah, I mean we don't we haven't really watched or covered anything outside of when Muda won that title, which was almost a year and a half, maybe two years ago, right? I don't know. It's been a while. Uh, about a year ago, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't have much to say about night three. I don't have the card pulled up in front of me. Obviously, yeah. that would be the match to watch because it is just a, a New Japan ass house show. There's a it, lot it of is. It's tag like matches. Series. And I know that you said, and I mean, it makes sense that they're doing this with the three nights too because they obviously have a smaller audience right now uh, because of restrictions over there. I thought the audience was great, by the way, when them not being able to cheer, still being able to present themselves with clapping and really getting stuff, getting into it. Um, I just love the reserved nature of the fans over there. It's such a breath of fresh air compared to the American fans, Um, you know, but uh, yeah, just the third night, it seemed like Survivor Series with a fucking cool match at the end with, you know, we're getting to see Great Muda and... uh, and uh, Okada and Tanahashi all in the same match, and this new prospect from Pro Wrestling Noah. But do they really need fucking three nights, man? My God. No, and I mean, I, to me, Wrestle Kingdom should only be about the titles. Um, but it's very different because they run these in three different arenas. So it's yeah. not like, you know, WrestleMania where it's in the same arena. Um, so... I, I get why they do it. Um, I do know that in the Wrestling Observer newsletter that came out yesterday, they said they did a little over 12,000 sold the first night and over 6,000 sold the second night. Um, and obviously, those are smaller arenas than we have here in America. Like, fucking, we have Jerry's World in Dallas, which I'm pretty sure holds like 170,000 people or some fucking ridiculous number. I'm sure the WWE will tell us this year at WrestleMania because I think they're back there again. Um, <laughs> but that's a good crowd for New Japan and, and you know out of all of the companies that got hit with COVID maybe outside of Ring of Honor New Japan kind of got fucked this year I know they lost a ton of money um, the past two years so it is good to see a return to form at Wrestle Kingdom and hopefully as we work through this pandemic together we'll see you know bigger and better things from New Japan but uh I'm not going to bitch too much about it. It's cool that we're going to get to see Muda. Um, all of the stardom matches they presented were really good, too. Mm-hmm. I don't have those results pulled up in front of me, but it is cool to see. Last year, they did stardom as well, but they did not put them on the actual show as an opening match. So it was cool to see them on the actual show this year. Yeah, and I just one last takeaway, Kazushi Okada going out of this. Uh, I loved in his promo before, oh, I think it was after Naito challenged him. Uh, he basically called out Antonio Noki again. You know, he's a huge fan, obviously, of Antonio Noki because of the presence that he does for New Japan. His presence for modern day kind of gets always compared to that. And he said, once he, you know, now that he's champion again, he wants Anoki to come and see one of his matches live. So that was just, it was just cool. I love New Japan culture. I love what they do over there. The matches that I saw were fantastic. Um, I still think that the day one main event, uh, him and Shingo, and then what we're going to be talking about with Brian Danielson, 
and Adam Page, and also the Will Ospreay Okada match were all fantastic fucking matches. So, uh, you know, starting off the first week and weekend, uh, really good start for 2022. Uh, By all companies, really. Or all of the top players, we should say. Uh, Good shit. Um, Yeah, like I said, I would check out those particular matches from Wrestle Kingdom. It is, I want to say it's going to end up with night three probably being about 16 hours of wrestling. So... (laughs) Hopefully you use this as a primer if you haven't started watching it <laughs> of stuff to watch. But uh, great. Uh, the Inoki thing makes a lot of sense with the call out the promo, because if they're doing Naito and Okada at the anniversary event, I think it would be great to see Inoki at the anniversary event. So that yep. maybe maybe we will see that. Good shit, though. All right. Our last champion that uh, got crowned was at the NXT show, their New Year's Evil event. And uh, very I'm going to go directly from this into uh, the news that was dropped about cut uh, employees over at NXT. But just this was kind of like the last, I feel like, nail in the coffin, honestly, to the Golden Black brand. Um, I want to talk mainly about the main event, but I'll kind of group these other three matches uh, in the same vein. I thought Carmelo Hayes and Roderick Strong. Uh, they unified the North American Championship and the Cruiserweight Championship. I think it's now called the North American Cruiserweight Championship, which is stupid. Um, just drop the Cruiserweight concept is what I think. Uh, but strong loss. Um, and that was apparent. thought it was a good match. Roderick Strong was a great person to bounce off of. I think Carmelo has a, a hell of a ton of potential. More so than a lot of the newcomers, honestly, that have been joining the new 2.0 version of NXT. Uh, but I felt like Roderick a lot of times was having to wait for Carmelo to catch up uh, with him. And that really just comes with repetition based on his high flying, trying to, you know, cater the high flying, which is what NXT would do to kind of coincide with the WWE style. Uh, Riddle and MSK were fun to see go against Walter um, Eichner and Bartel, And they ended up winning. But my biggest thing is like, we, I really wanted to see more of Walter and Riddle in the ring, and we didn't get a hell of a lot of that. Uh, and then Mandy Rose, Cora Jade, and Raquel Gonzalez, I felt bad for Raquel. Cora Jade is not that experienced, but she's young. She has a lot of potential in front of her. Mandy Rose is just awful. I'm sorry. She was out in the fucking – she would come in, mess up, or be behind in a spot, and then she would be out on the fucking you know, doing whatever while Raquel and, and Cora were doing a majority of the shit. And Raquel's another one of those last of the Mohicans of the old era. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets put to the main roster, but uh, I'm not liking Mandy Rose. So anything from those three matches, Chris, between Carmelo Hayes and Roderick Strong, Real MSK versus Imperium, and Mandy Rose, Cora Jade, and Raquel Gonzalez. The Real MSK match I thought was was a fun match. Um, I will say Matt Riddle was super sloppy in this match. He was. So that that's it. It was rare because he's. I I don't know. It's because he's not been doing a lot of offense on Raw because he usually just comes in and takes the beat down. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, he just seemed out of sync. And I know it's the first time he's really w- worked with the majority of these guys. So I'm not gonna kill him too hard on it. But it it was not his best performance. It was still a, a fun match though, and uh, a rare Imperium loss with Valter, which was. 
kind of crazy. I, I feel like they're building something there with Valter and, and Matt Riddle. So, um, which I think given the amount of given time, that could be a really great match. Um, and hopefully not. Well, let's kind of this one. Let's go into that that stuff with with uh, Walter before we get to the main event. Uh, he's having his final match in NXT UK, um, and the the guess is there's been rumors, Chris, that he might be coming over here. I'm assuming maybe to have like a couple things over in NXT and then go to the main roster. But the fact that he unfortunately had a divorce with his wife and that was the main thing keeping him over in Europe, still living over there. Um, you know, there's rumors that WWE's pushing to try to grab him and put him on the main roster, which is terrifying a bit. Uh, but yeah, uh, he's done with uh, UK. Uh, do you think that he's going to go to NXT for a little while, or just go straight to the main roster, and maybe come over in uh, Royal Rumble coming up soon? I mean, he might go straight to the main roster just because I don't know what they're doing with NXT 2.0. If it was me, I would probably. If, if I was booking it, I would put him on NXT 2.0 first, just so you could do the riddle match there. Um, AJ Styles is there right now. You could do a match with AJ Styles if you wanted to. And then you could uh, build up to a match with him versus Braun Breaker. And I think that probably helps Braun Breaker a lot if he ends up getting a win there. Or you could put the title on Valter if you want to move Braun Breaker up first. But I would I would utilize how over Valter is in NXT to my advantage. I was booking it. That being said, I could easily see them just having him show up at fucking Rumble and becoming like the Kane figure they potentially need in that match as someone that's just going to dominate or similar to like Brock Lesnar, where he throws out like 15 people or some shit. I could see them doing that also. Um, I just feel like NXT's roster is really weak right now. So if Valter is going to come over here, I would probably try to set up some big matches for the upcoming takeovers. Uh, but who the hell knows? I don't know. They're, we're about to talk about some of the releases they made, and I definitely wouldn't have done that. So <laughs> I do want to say real quickly, the highlight of watching this show outside of the main event was me and you talking about this fucking women's match. And uh, the first thing I think about in this women's match is God, Mandy Rose is awful, which I had <laughs> written in my notes. I think she is a failed experiment. Time to move on for Mandy Rose, especially with some of the other people that they've released who are better workers than Mandy Rose. Um, but Raquel Gonzalez riding this giant fucking motorcycle. Oh, my God. Could they have picked a bigger motorcycle for her <laughs> trying to navigate around that little ass space between the ring <laughs> and the barrier in NXT? It was ridiculous. I felt bad for her, man. She was definitely the most talented person out of this. And it looked like I could be wrong, but it looked like she was calling the spots. Uh, so someone inexperienced and then someone that's not really she's athletic, but she's not. I don't think meant for wrestling. I, that's got to be a hard task. I, it's they plan a lot of their matches out in NXT though, so that basically means if she was having to call shit on the fly, that means that they that match got so fucked up by the Mandy Rose and Jade, or it, what's not Jade? Is it Jade? Core Jade. Yep. Uh, specifically when they went to the outside that first time and came back in, and Cora and. Um, Mandy, we're trying to do these reversal spots. Like, if you want to see some fucking tragic-looking wrestling, watch that. I'm sure that is going to be on Botchmania. It was yeah. bad. And I, I think that Raquel was just trying to get it back on pace, and that's probably why, you know, it looked like she was calling the match, but it's more like she was probably yelling at people not to suck. 
<laughs> she, wow. she definitely was she definitely was trying to call out what spot they were supposed to be in but they definitely were not where they were supposed to be it was it was rough it's it's one of the worst nxt matches i've seen in a long time and there have been some real stinkers as of late yeah all right well the main event not a stinker 15 minute match with Tommaso champa the nxt champion braun breaker i thought this was a great match i think that I'm assuming Ciampa's really taken a liking towards Braun, and they've been working a lot together, and they performed this match really well. Uh, they they have good chemistry. I don't know if we're going to – I'm assuming we're going to get another match. Obviously, you know, a, uh, I'm sure Tommaso Ciampa's going to want a rematch against him, and they'll probably have a third within their trilogy. This guy has only, like, professionally wrestled, like, I think it's less than 20 matches total, and then televised, it's less than 10. You know what I'm saying? So he is his father and his uncle's, you know, genetics, basically. Um, just uh, it was sad seeing Ciampa get defeated. He had, I don't know, just a weird Twitter, like, thank you all and a picture of him. So I don't, I don't know what the fuck that means exactly. Um, I'm hoping that Ciampa doesn't get sidelined and put as a coach um, after he has this rematch that I'm assuming he's going to have with Braun Baker. Uh, but great for Braun. He's going to be in WWE. I, I, I'll say it. I think if not coming before the Royal Rumble, he'll premiere at the Royal Rumble next year. Um, I just think that he has it, and I love seeing the video footage of his father coming in the ring, you know, in tears, and it was a big deal. So I wish that was actually on the program, but we're still trying to pretend, even though the announcer ignores it, that – He's the child of, of Rick Steiner, but whatever. Um, the best thing about this, by far, and Braun Breaker is a good champion, but who the fuck does he have to go against? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, Cameron Grimes? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... Ugh, God, that that is about... And that's nothing against Cameron Grimes, but... Yeah. Tony D'Angelo. I mean, as far ready. as... None of those guys yeah, are ready. Uh, well, they did send down AJ Styles apparently, so maybe AJ Styles. There you go. If they if I, they get Falter, if they if Matt Riddle's going to be there, I I mean, there has to be a reason why they're having these guys on that show, and maybe it is to give Braun Breaker that kind of title run. But you're right. If you're just looking at just straight NXT roster, there's not a whole hell of a lot there right now. No. There really isn't. I did. I, I did love this match. I was pissed off because I looked at my clock. It said 9:30. They were talking about the match about to start. I'm like, holy shit! They're gonna give these guys like pay-per-view time limit, like 30 minutes. Yeah. This is gonna be, this is gonna be fucking incredible. And it was an incredible match. But then they, we had like, like something you. I can't think of the guy's name. He's a fucking goof. Uh, the Von Wagner character. I dis despise. Wow. They basically took away 15 minutes that they could have just given to this match, and it the, made the match even better. Where the fuck is Odyssey Jones? Odyssey Jones, big dude, shitload of talent, and I haven't seen him on TV, and you're giving fucking time to some of these fucking, you know, jo- future jobbers, basically. Like <laughs> who, was, who was the guy that was doing the, the university gimmick? Uh, yeah, I forgot. Uh, uh, I think it's Andre Chase, maybe. Yeah, Chase U. Yeah, like I was like, man, this guy 
I this is fucking terrible. And then fucking Von Wagner came out, and I was like, damn, Chase looks like a fucking superstar <laughs> compared to this guy, especially when Wagner got on the mic. It's like, oh, man. This well, is that's bad. what happens when you have Vince homegrown compared to someone, even if with a stupid gimmick, but some guy that came off the indies who actually is decent in the ring but has to wear a fucking sweater in the goddamn. What about Grayson Waller? Do you think that's a person to go against AJ Styles? He's great on the mic, I think, as a heel, but he sucks in the fucking ring. There's a reason why they chant, you can't wrestle at his ass. Uh, I mean, if you're going to put him against anyone, AJ Styles would be a good choice, right? I mean, I can get a match out of a motherfucking match. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm from Gainesville, Georgia. Let's do it in my hometown. Uh, I if you're gonna get if you're gonna, I mean, if AJ's just there to put guys over and have a little feud, those are gonna be probably the best matches you're gonna get out of Waller. Um, I think that he's good on the mic too. He's definitely crowd definitely hates him. I think some of it is kind of go away heat. Like there was a legitimate. They were pissed off because of the Gargano stuff, and that's starting to wane very quickly. So with AJ being there, hopefully that'll turn it around for this guy, because otherwise, if he's just having bad matches and kind of running down the crowd, I I think that's going to be a very that's going to turn into almost what Corbin was before his current gimmick very quickly. All right. Well, great main event. Glad to see Braun Steiner, which hopefully that gets changed at some point. Fucking stupid. Um, but let's talk about the uh, other side of this. Uh, you know, Wade Keller was talking, apparently, from what he hears, the most that he's heard is that Triple H is not happy with stuff going on right now in NXT. And uh, that would make sense. Uh, because once again, they got hit. And it's Chris. I mean, when it comes to the black and gold brand of old triple h's thing now behind the scenes and the wrestlers there's only a couple left we've already we kind of already alluded that that but uh man this this fucking sucked yeah this one hurt because there's some names on here that i was very shocked about one being lord william regal which we'll get into but if you're Triple H, do you just sell your WWE stock and then start a company with Jeff Jarrett? I heard he's trying to start a wrestling company again. <laughs> like, sure. this guy, this guy built this great thing, and they fired off pretty much any everyone he's brought in. The people that he built, they sent to the main roster. I would, I would say, how many of those were successful? Maybe outside of like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who were already there i mean but i can't even think of a single person yeah you know even even kevin owens and and, and sammy to an extent or finn you know finn had more impact when he came back to nxt this last run than he has during his whole entire run i would arguably say in fucking wwe since getting the title and having to you know drop it because he injured himself like jesus like and, and ko and sammy has Sammy ever won the fucking World Heavyweight Champion? No. He's really good at being a heel and bouncing off of shit. And then Kevin Owens is a great person to put in place for a match, but they had they gave him the title for a second. So even if those are his biggest prospects, I would say, Chris, or even Seth. Seth is probably, but I don't know if he was as heavily involved back then, but uh, 
not good for people that call, get called up if Kevin Owens and Sammy are the best, I would say. Yeah, Seth Roman and Ambrose are kind of the tail end of FCW Yeah. before it became NXT, so I wouldn't really put that as Triple H's brainchild. Um, but, like, I mean, you look at people like Karrion Cross, right, who is a huge deal in NXT, and then... God bless him when he got to the main roster. It was almost worse than his Lucha Underground character. <laughs> what was it, the rabbit? On White Rabbit? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a guy that's gotten saddled with some shit gimmicks. Um, it's, I mean, this is, to me, this is like, it's almost, it's almost turning into, what is it, Saturday Night Heat? That's what it seems like they're uh-huh. making NXT, where it is just like, hey, we're still going to do these kind of, wrestling our version of wrestling storylines but with not as good of talent <laughs> which sucks for nxt i mean the one bright there's there's a couple of bright spots on that show but this is it's it's become harder to watch and then with these releases i'm assuming that it's only going to get worse and I, this almost goes back to i want to say maybe right after covid started we started hearing that they were sending writers down I mean, it goes back to that. We've 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 almost we've we've watched a small like ember turn into a flame of <laughs> burning this company to the ground um, or brand, I should say, because it's all WWE. But um, I guess let's get into the releases. Sorry to ramble. It's just really sad. It used no, to be you're good. My, used to be my favorite show to watch each week. Yep. And that's what sucks out of it. We just ran through the takeover or well, not even takeover their last event because it was like just give us the fucking main event everything else was not that great but yeah let's talk about this danny birch joins uh tony lorkin his old tag uh, partner they kind of saddled him with being in the back as a uh, coach and they let him go um haichi man which is uh haraki suzaki who was in the uh diamond mind you know one of the newer recruits timothy thatcher which we've wondered what the fuck happened to him recently uh gave uh sapolsky you know ace steel allison danger uh sarah cummings but the uh, vp for the fucking company uh rajin singh ryan katz uh george carroll and like i said gabe all guys that worked underneath triple h either coaches you know i mean what the fuck is is a train the only one left in the back matt bloom like uh, you know, <laughs> Sky Juhati left not too long ago. And then some of the bigger ones, Scott Armstrong, that's been with the uh, group since the beginning as a trainer, producer, referee. Obviously, we knew him as a referee and the wrestler previous before him, uh, part of the Armstrong family, along with his brother, uh, you know, uh, Road Dog, and obviously Brad Armstrong, sons of uh, Bob Armstrong, uh, been in WWE for a very, very long time. And his brother, Road Dog, that had to have hurt. Uh, producer, um, one of the main trainers. Uh, we'll talk about the last big two, I would say, but out of that list, man, Road Dog, I mean, Gabe Sapolsky, Timothy Thatcher, you got some, some of the last big members of Triple H's old uh, regime. Oh, man. Yeah. It's so I guess the big question is, when does Road Dog show up to hang out with Billy Gunn in AEW? 
Um, I'm obviously kidding, but it's just sad, man. It's, it, it is definitely at the end of the gold and black era of NXT, and, and we've seen it coming, but I didn't think that all of these people were going to be losing their jobs completely. Road Dog, well, didn't he also work on SmackDown? I mean, he was yeah. part of the reason they turned Becky heel. Um, and then she got her jaw broke and became the man, which was one of the biggest things in their company. Not that I agreed with it at the time, but if he didn't set that in motion, that doesn't happen. Kind of butterfly effect thing. Um, William Regal, that that's insane <laughs> to me because yeah. he's been he I mean, he was there in FCW. So they've completely I mean, and most of the people there, with the exception of, like you said, Matt Bloom. Who were, I think almost everyone that worked as in the back in FCW is gone. Gabe Sapolsky is a little crazy because you know they bought Evolve. They were talking about rebranding it and doing a one-hour show a while back, and I was like, hey, if they're gonna let Gabe book a show, it'll probably be pretty fucking good. Um, yeah. I mean, this is a guy that came out of retirement to work on NXT because he liked the product because he had previously just retired after selling Evolve. They convinced him to come there at work. He gets fired. And uh, Samoa Joe, man, this guy gets fired, rehired, and then fired again. The fuck? <laughs> he was their yeah. champion like six months ago. Yeah, so, you know, like you said, William Regal. I mean, just working with the company forever. A part of this, he was a coach, producer. Uh, one of the main guys in charge with storyline worked directly with Triple H. Obviously, a past amazing wrestler, trained people like I don't know Brian Danielson, um, and also a character, the 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 you know Wool Games, the the commissioner for the show, uh, just ridiculous. And Samoa Joe man fired twice. Uh, his his what he said online was like I felt like he was just kind of laughing to himself while writing this. Extremely fortunate and grateful to all the young and amazing talent I had the pleasure of working with in the past months. Only saddened at the loss of an excuse to see their continued growth and achievement. I am very excited for the future, or for their future, and also mine. So, uh, sounds like Samojo's like, all right, fuck this. Give me the goddamn 30 days, and then I'm going to just beast this out like I should have done beforehand. Uh I'm sure Triple H is smashing his head against the fucking door. <laughs> they just hired him back to fire him. <laughs> he had the belt. You're you're you just made him a free agent in a in a world where CM Punk and Daniel Bryan work for the opposition. That's the other thing. <laughs> like. Uh, he should have never re-signed there. I, we were completely surprised when it happened, and, well, it did not turn out so well. And what's crazy is this man was just their champion. He didn't actually lose the belt. They just kind of took it away from him. <laughs> and now he's fired. So, uh, as far as, like, worst runs in NXT, this might be the worst run in NXT <laughs> for poor Samoa Joe. And William Regal... I mean, he was easily my favorite TV commissioner. Maybe outside of Evil Vince, which that's big shoes to fill. But like as far as like an on-screen commissioner character, I think William Regal kind of played it the best because he didn't he wasn't overly babyface or overly heel. He was just kind of like 
a businessman and it made a lot of sense and he booked a lot of really cool matches and storyline and like you said he's he helped with a lot of the training um that's gonna hurt them i don't know who you would have to fill that role but whatever man nxt 2.0 they got a rap song and colorful ring mats (laughs) all right well three things to take away from this um we talked about one of them uh with aj styles kind of coinciding with this aj just re-signed with the company so he's going to be there for a couple of years uh the exact details i think that they said they think it's three but it might be up to five which i'm assuming based on what he was saying about retirement this could be his last uh signing he's obviously working with nxt i hope he gets a chance to work there for a while um well you know actually they don't have any of the opponents i want him to go against uh i don't know but aj's chris um going to be in wwe probably for the i'm assuming the rest of his career yeah and i think he said i mean he actually said this when the good brothers resigned that his next contract when he signs it it will be his last contract that being said, Terry Funk also retired at the age of 55 and then wrestled till he was like 70. So take it with a fucking grain of salt. Fred hired me back in 1999. Nope. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. AJ seems like he actually likes working in WWE. So uh, I think he's probably, unless they fire him, he's a guy that probably write out this contract and then you can see him maybe do kind of like a Jericho or, or Brock thing where he shows up for five or six appearances going forward on some kind of legends deal or something. But I love that he's there in NXT. I think that, I mean, there's some good matches he could have with Braun breaker that would help Braun a lot. And uh, like him and Carmelo Hayes, that'd be kind of a good match. There's stuff that you could do with him there. I, I don't, think that he's going to be there that long, but hopefully they get the most out of him while they can. Yeah. And I love that. He even mentioned that. And he said this in interviews, he actually kind of wanted to go to NXT to start off because, you know, he, he, he said it in that uh, promo that he skipped NXT and it was great coming out to the Royal rumble to hear a roaring crowd. But part of him wished he kind of got a chance to work in NXT. Now, my whole thing is I wish that happened two years ago, (laughs) but what are you going to do? So does AJ. <laughs> I'm sure he's like looking at this talent pool and he's like, man, I'm not going to get a night off at all. He's talking to Sean like, he's like, man, I just realized something. You told Vince to, to help me come here because you can't do the train no more. So you want me to do it. Sean's like, uh, absolutely. Well, you know, <laughs> he can't do everything in fucking NXT before he lets go, gets let go. Um, Jesus. So yeah, let's 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 talk about the second item from this. The end of the black and gold brand, like I said. Uh the only alum, you know, guys that have been guys and gals that have been a part of NXT and the black and gold brand for a while that are there there are Tommaso Ciampa, which I don't know what the fuck that Twitter stuff was, Roderick Strong, who dropped the title, Shawn Michaels obviously, and Matt Bloom are two of the last big guys in the back. Io Shirai, Pete Dunne. I mean, Chris, that's 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 about it. That's 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 the 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 guy the people that have been there for a while. That's it now. 
I mean, Gargano's gone. Adam Cole's gone. Uh, Karen Cross obviously is gone. Keith Lee. Uh, Bobby Fish. Bobby um, Fish. Kyle O'Reilly. And then even even if you, Chris, you know, before answering that, even if you go to, like, the newer ones that were still a part of that, you only have some uh, Santos Escobar. Um, shit, I'm looking at this list. L.A. Knight. Kushida. Um, obviously, all the other members of Legado del Fantasma. Uh, Imperium. Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a weird world we live in right now. Yeah, uh, they should have never went to TV. Should never gave you motherfuckers money. Uh, <laughs> God damn, dude. Yeah, so I guess Candace of uh, the women, Dakota Kai and Candace. Uh, we already said EO. Um, but Candace's contract is up in the summer, yeah. I think. Yeah, if they don't not. release her before then. Uh, and then and then Zoe Stark, that's it. And 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 Raquel Gonzalez, that's really pretty much all the originals in the women's section too. So that's just fucking crazy, man. That's that's just weird. When you when you when you think about it like that, you know it's crazy. So what goes on going forward with some of these released talents? You know, I have an idea, but any last comments? On the fact that the Triple H is literally getting his essence is getting sucked out of the motherfucker. Jesus. Fucking put Io Shirai on the main roster for the love of God. Uh, it just terrifies me what they might do with her, though. That's the only problem. But yeah, well, most of fuck- them need to get moved. <laughs> or then fucking release her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> she could, she would be a top star in AEW. Here's a so. person. A Japanese professional wrestler needs to keep his mouth shut because he might get friggin' ex 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 NXT alum. Um, also, someone that I feel like a lot of us think that the main roster failed on was Shinsuke Nakamura talking about how he wants to go back to New Japan. If you put that out there, you might get a nice little phone call. And I'm definitely hoping that if we do have those matches where we combine titles, um, that w- Damian Priest versus Shinsuke sounds like a great match. But um, yeah, do you think that Shinsuke should be putting that information out there that he he would love to go to back to New Japan? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe cuts. maybe he sees <laughs> maybe he sees all these cuts and he's like, I know I can go back to New Japan. <laughs> maybe if I say it, they'll fire me. Hey, here's the thing: if they were to do that to him or Finn, which I don't think they would, you just made New Japan stronger. No pun intended. I mean. You know, if they cut him now, he could probably make that anniversary show. Maybe that's what he was thinking. <laughs> oh, man, Malcolm Uh But, yeah, so my idea was, and I kind of went over this with you, and I don't think – I think this is actually feasible based off of – because WWE cuts people, and I don't think they realize the repercussions. Some of those talented people are going to make other program, especially your biggest competitor, you know, bigger. And this doesn't matter – you know, you talk about AEW. Yeah, they don't need a lot of wrestlers anymore signed, even though Tony keeps on giving contracts out like it's fucking candy. But maybe there's a way to resolve that. We've already talked about, you know, Tony talking to Sinclair and trying to get the rights for Ring of Honor, mainly for the 
television stuff uh, so they can have that a part of a library, maybe start a streaming platform because a lot of their past wrestlers come from that, put all their AEW stuff on there. They now have all in as a part of their library, which really started them out. It would just make sense for that. Now, they have the titles, but I don't think I ever thought bring back Ring of Honor. But now you have guys like Gabe Sapolsky, like Samoa Joe, like CM Punk, like Brian Danielson, uh, plus the plethora of talent on the market right now that's ex-Ring of Honor. I would actually – a main thing, because of the fact that we have way too many fucking people, keep your YouTube shows as a start-off point. For potential indie wrestlers to, you know, that might have a future like they've been doing. Have them go against some of your other guys, not the biggest talents, but like, you know, someone to work with them in the ring and get like a good showing out of them. Which is what Tony's doing with that. Why not have the next step be Ring of Honor? If Tony buys out the rights, you put Gabe Sapolsky and fucking uh, Delirious... And, and Kerry Silken, get him to come back, who was just at AEW Dynamite hanging out with Tony. Them form the writing team and, and, and actually be a part of it. You could either do this. You could either present it to Sinclair and get it off of Access and onto one of the other Turner stations. Or maybe just flat out buy it from them. You know, just, just the whole entire fucking thing. I don't know how much it was, but Tony seems to have a lot of money. Because I think that could be a good polishing place for people that you see potential in. And also give a chance for stars that you don't really have anything going on with, uh, you know, to put them on there. To somewhere where you could see a Frankie Kazarian show up. And maybe you can even, if you want to, cut out having to work with Impact to do that type of concept or, or NWA. This could literally be, what I'm saying, is AEW's NXT. You know, they're, they're, they're place to polish potential people and also kind of what NXT is doing right now. Like I said, bring in Christopher Daniels, bring in a lot of alum, uh, have their weekly show back up, uh, give a chance for people to be champions with those things that kind of is to NXT what it is to WWE. I think that that would be kind of something that could be a possibility. Like I said, you're, you're giving Samoa Joe, all these guys that made that brand that seemed really deterred and sad either through the promos on the anniversary show or stuff they said on Twitter that it ended. I think I think Tony should turn it around and make it something bigger. You know, split this giant fucking roster into another smaller promotion that's got that smaller Ring of Honor NXT feel to it, and do something with it. Uh, do you think that's a crazy concept, Chris? I mean, I think it's a good idea for the, the video rights alone. The the only problem you run into there is you you would technically want that on tv i would think and you can't put it on a network that's not turner related or time warner or you end up with a weird situation like wwe has where you have to appease both fox and nbc um so that would be the only downside i could see one of the biggest problems they have like they have this plot this youtube platform that they're using for the what is I can't it's elevation whatever the hell the other one is Dark. they never promote the matches that are going to be on elevation they don't do a good job of making you care about what's there whereas NXT like WWE's at least their media presence with what they were presenting in NXT and the way it was filmed made it seem bigger than it was 
And I know they're trying to get these people wrestling in front of a live crowd, but what I would do with Elevation is put it in one location so that you can build a fan base around it, similar to what WWE did with NXT, and go from there with those shows as opposed to tacking them on to what already is a long-ass show that the fans are sitting through um, because they record a lot of times Rampage is recorded right after the live Dynamite. And now you're throwing like elevation and other shit on top of it. It's it's a lot for a crowd to sit through. I think it kills the crowd a little bit. It makes them a little. It makes it a little harder to get behind those kind of guys. But part of the reason NXT worked so well and got so popular is like one, it was only on WWE Network, and two, they put it in front of Full Sail where they had like a set fan base, almost like the ECW fan base that kept coming back and spreading the word about these great wrestlers. So that that would be the only downside of doing something like that. If they bought Ring of Honor, I don't know what the logistics would be or how they would present it. Um, now, an option for, say, Sinclair, who's trying to reboot this thing, go sign a lot of these guys that just got released. Like, actually put money into the fucking company, give it a t- television time slot that's not, like, access at 11 o'clock at night, and uh, go from there. Because I think that, like, everything you just said... You could do that. Like you could sign Gabe Sapolsky. That he could sign a lot of this talent. There's a lot of free agents out there that you could build that roster up. You put Gabe back there with Delirious, um, Silken. Like you said, there's a lot of cool shit you could do with Ring of Honor. And I don't know. I was half joking earlier, but like <laughs> maybe Triple H sells all his WWE stock and decides he wants to buy a wrestling company. I mean, anyone that wants to get in on a wrestling company, if Ring of Honor is actually up for sale, that would be the one to go with. And if you want a great booking mind, I mean, all all the stuff you pointed out, I think would work regardless of who ended up buying it, as long as they had the money to do it and could find TV. The only problem with AEW, I, I think, is Tony has the idea of his performance center already set in stone. With Ring of Honor, I think you would really need to it would it would need to be on its own platform, kind of have its own look. Um, and, and some might say that was kind of the downfall of, you know, WCW and maybe even WWE to some point when you start doing these brand splits, which that's essentially what you would be doing. It hurts your main product. Yeah, um, I just don't think they should take I think they should continue taking the YouTube series for what it is. I think they could use something that's a little bit more leveled up that maybe directly works with the nightmare factory. And if it was something, you know, like a ring of honor styled system where ring of honor is the NXT to the main thing, because I just, those YouTube shows are just whatever they are literally for newer indie talent that they got that Tony's checking out partially or someone that got released like a Tony niece that he wants to see presented in front of his audience and that's that's I, I don't think it'll ever get bigger than that. Um, you give Ring of Honor maybe on another Turner out, or outlet um, a show. Shit, put it on Adult Swim. How cool would that be? Fucking start off Adult Swim or some shit. It's a uh, it's an interesting prospect for Ring of Honor to get revitalized. Regardless, though, like you're saying, with all these people that are so infused with it. I just think one of the biggest concerns and worries with AEW is that they don't have enough spots for all these big. Yeah, Jay Lethal's another one. 
talented members, maybe they can have this as something to go back and forth with. And then if they don't want to, like I said, they don't have to work then with Impact and give them their stars or or NWA either. You know, they can kind of be their own entity and do crossovers with their Ring of Honor product and have their library. So, but it's it's interesting, like I said. Yeah, I, I mean, I think one way to do it would to be go somewhere that's not Turner for your second if you wanted to do a Ring of Honor brand, um, much like WWE does with Raw and SmackDown. I just don't know that they want to pull the trigger on that necessarily. I know they had other off they had other TV company offers when they were launching AEW, so it's not impossible to do. It's just right now like. Outside of, like you said, putting it on like Cartoon Network, I don't know where you would slot that show in and then what yeah. kind of viewership, viewership you would get to it. Because, I mean, they already have Rampage coming on at 10, 10 o'clock at night on Friday. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's that, that's the, they, that would be their biggest obstacle. Out? I think Ring of Honor was on Saturday night, so that's not the worst night to do it. But yeah, it really is the network under Turner. They have a shit ton, and I'm sure we're forgetting about some, but it seems like the biggest ones are TBS, TNT, and Cartoon Network. So, And maybe Cartoon Network would be a good place to put that. They have that type of weird stuff. Mix it in with the anime and funny cartoons and comic book-related things. It seems to go with that culture, especially that style product. But, yeah, it would definitely be – it would still be the same Ring of Honor, basically. I don't think that they would get – too much more popular even from a buyout from AEW, but like I said, it's a possibility, if you will, for the future. If not, like you suggested, a bunch of guys just get it from or revitalize it with Sinclair, and now you have Gabe Sapolsky back, you have all these other entities back, Samoa Joe, whatnot, and probably a good reason for more crossover appeal with, uh, whatchamacallit, AEW, so who knows? Interesting stuff to talk about for sure. Um, my only thing is there's a lot of fucking wrestling already. I don't know if I need another show. <laughs> I feel you on that. Um, some of the shows I got to be honest with you guys, like with NWA, who, who I'm glad are now able to go back to a free uh, styled show on uh, Fight TV. So they're, you know, Nick Aldis made that big announcement that you're not going to pay anymore to be able to watch a show. So with NWA and Impact, I usually keep up with them more so on their pay-per-views. I try to watch Raw. It's a slog. I can't watch NXT anymore. So it really comes down to the only shows I like to talk about are the ones that we're about to talk about. (laughs) Uh, I I know um, Matt Cardona showed up this week on NWA, so I need to go check that out. I know that he had already, you know, attacked Trevor Murdoch, but apparently he was like there there this week. Um, so I need to check that out. And he did officially quit GCW. That's up on the major wrestling figures podcast. They did a whole vlog about it. Well, it's um, weird. I mean, storyline, but he's in a match with, uh, fuck in GCW. It just got announced. It's a big, it's a big opponent too. Um, oh, Rhino, him and Rhino, are going to have a match in GCW. Yeah. Man. So they're building it into a storyline, but he, there's a vlog out there where he quit that. So Matt Cardona is still out here living his best life in 2022. <laughs> he is literally going for the impact title and going for the NWA title in two different promotions. He just had a contract. <laughs> on the moose. That's fucking awesome. I love Matt Cardona. Yeah. He's, he's, he's captured my heart. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, it's insane. Like, I would love to watch all of the stuff. Like, MLW, I would love to watch each week. Yeah. Realistically, we're already watching between us together. We got, if there's no pay-per-views, nine hours of wrestling? Yep, probably. Ten? Something like two for AW Dynamite, one for Rampage. My girlfriend, like, she'll text me and she'll be like, what are you doing? And then it'll be like after eight. And before I can even respond, she's like, you're probably watching wrestling, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, I am. It's every week. It's every night of the week, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes you have, like, mad respect for Dave Meltzer, who watches all of this shit. Like, I don't know how he does it. Not only watches, Chris, but watches in detail. Because modern audience... I mean, unless you catch my attention, I usually it's usually pay-per-views. I pay more attention to the matches itself, like focus in. But it's like watching a movie. Sometimes I'll go to my phone. Sometimes I'll do this. You know, it'll be on in the background. He fucking literally watches everything. It's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, there's great shit out there like Dragon Gate, Black Label Pro, uh, like I said, MLW, uh, New Japan Strong. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I would love to watch, but realistically. <laughs> there's not enough time <laughs> there's not enough time unfortunately so like much like you some of these comp- other companies you know we try to cap- capture the pay-per-views and talk about what we can but i mean if when you there to me there's a lot of there's maybe too much wrestling i think it might it's good for the boys as they would say <laughs> there's lots of places to work but as a uh as a especially with all this release talent yeah, but as like your two top tier companies, it's actually kind of bad because I think that people have to choose and pick their favorites, which, you know, for the longest time, WWE was the only town and the only show in town, really. Uh, now, like, you know, if you're an MLW fan and you only have five hours to watch wrestling, are you really going to tune in and watch Raw or SmackDown? You know what I mean? It's kind of that thing where there's almost a little too much wrestling. I'm not complaining. I'm just pointing it out. All right, before we go into the shows, and I, I also agree with you, I wanted to give out a couple of Twitter-related things. Uh, first of all, based on a conversation that Okada had made, which I love that he named two wrestlers he really wants to wrestle and how he really wants to get to the U.S. because there's stuff on his bucket list, including a potential match with Brian Danielson, which honestly might be a... If anyone could possibly be a better person for him to go against in the ring than Omega, it might actually be Danielson, just because I think him and Okada are the two best right now on the planet. And I know that's saying something, especially since fucking Danielson came back. But he also stated CM Punk, and I thought it was very fun that CM Punk put that that image uh, at the end of uh, Shawshank Redemption of the guy in the rain and uh, gave Okada his address. Which, honestly, um, Chris, putting your address on Twitter is probably not the smartest <laughs> idea. Huh? No, he gave, he gave him the address of the United Center in Chicago. Oh. Basically. So the address is actually a United Center in Chicago, which I thought was really clever. CM Punk always killing it on Twitter. Um, how, holy shit, do I want that match? Like, if someone's going to get a great match out of CM Punk, it's going to be Okada, right? And, I mean... The American Dragon versus a great match out of Okada. It's going to be Brian Danielson, I would say. Yeah, the the world's first ever ten star match. <laughs> the American <laughs> Dragon versus Okada. The uh, Raider. Yeah. <laughs> 
it, it would be fucking phenomenal. And I, I you know, it's going to happen. I, I, it's just when, um, yes. hopefully this whole access deal didn't fuck that up. Yeah. That's, that's my only worry. Like, I don't, we, we don't, we know so little, all they did was just randomly announce it. There hasn't even been that much written in the observer newsletter about it. So like, I haven't heard anything about what that TV deal actually looks like, because if it's anything where they wanted an open working relationship with impact, I don't know if that affects what they're, what they have been doing with AEW. Hopefully not. Hopefully all those companies can work it out and give the world what they really want, which is, you know, Okada versus the American dragon. And uh, yeah, I mean, when you, when you, like you said, two of the best wrestlers on the entire planet, hands down Okada, Brian Danielson, especially right now, um, and Kenny Omega will eventually come back from injury. Yep. I, uh, some, that's, if you're a wrestling ass wrestling fan, those are all matchups you want to see again. I mean, I, I want Okada versus Omega again in America. I think that would be great. I would probably fly and see that match wherever the hell it takes place. So, yeah. Um, also Paige, I'd love to see him and Paige have a match. I know they've worked together in new Japan, but I think Paige is at a different level now and they're a very similar I'm not going to – Okada's more – he's fucking more advanced than everyone, but a similar style, I would say, in wrestling. And we would also get to see Okada for the first time somewhere like AEW work more of that American style of match. Not that he's never done it or anything, but like, you know, Amer- the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, he does work kind of a New Japan style, but there are those moments where you see the WWE like – which is not a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like there's, I think you can take a little bit of both and make it really, really great. And I mean, you see that in a lot of these guys, the young bucks are a good example. Um, so it would be kind of cool to see Okada in, in America in general, regardless of who he's facing, but all of those are great matchups. Yes. And whatever the rainmaker wants to do, I hope to see it happen. I'm sure that, you know, and, and one thing, AW. It seems like Tony, I don't think that him and Billy are on bad terms. They just had he just had some falling out with NWA a bit based on something that happened with their anniversary show in St. Louis. Because Tony, if you can't tell, likes to fucking talk about shit like that on radio programs instead of just keeping it to himself, but whatever. Uh that's another fucking talking point for another day. It seems like he has a pretty good relationship with Gabe Sapolsky still, so um there is that, but you know, uh, Okada, man, it just, uh, Jesus Christ. I, I'm sure that if they at New Japan, like Gato's like, all right, you're going to go to Impact with the belt. He's going to be like, I'm not going back to fucking Impact. I, I want to go to AEW. Fuck that. You can tell Axis to go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Back there. They just tell him to go fuck themselves. Uh, like I said, I mean, it could be, they didn't really say what they're going to be doing. Hopefully it's putting New Japan strong on TV. I would be down with just yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then you could still bring over people like they have been doing, you know, from New Japan proper, as I like to call them. Uh, but I don't necessarily know that it, it hopefully that's not where it's leading. That's that's the best way to put it, because God, there's so many people that like I want to see Eddie Kingston versus Minoru Suzuki. Why not? Really? Right. Like there's so many good matches like I want to see the Gorillas of Destiny. Versus yep. the Bucks again. That would be fun. I mean, there's so much good shit. That they versus do. Kenny. Yes, the Golden Lovers fight again. Or maybe you know Kenny gets screwed out of all this stuff and he they comes back with 
they tag together. Like there's so much good shit that they could do. Hopefully they can find a great working relationship because I'll tell you right now, if you're actually selling pay-per-views like AEW does, I don't know what's going to sell more than, you know, fucking Daniel Bryan versus <laughs> Okada. Yeah. Whew. That's, that's a big ass pay-per-view thing that you may only see one time in your entire life. You may not, you may only see that match one time. So it's it's definitely it's definitely something that I that would make both companies a lot of money. Like figure out the profit splits, make it happen for the fans. We want to see it, and and both guys want to do it. That's the other thing. It'd be different if like one guy was like, "No, fuck that guy," but it's not that. It's like they all of these guys want to wrestle each other. <laughs> so make it fucking happen. And Tony's really good at that. Uh, uh, unlike uh, some stuff with uh you know letting out inner workings within their company and who they fire and shit. Uh, when it comes to trying to make dream matches, uh, he spends lots of money for that. So, um, but let's, let's move on. The last thing from Twitter before we get to these shows that I thought was fun. Chris FTR involves both these stories. First called out by them boys who said, y'all scared Briscoe brothers put that towards Tony Khan and AW on TNT on Twitter. And, uh, just said that these guys were fucking clowns and just cut a big promo on them. The GCW and Ring of Honor World Champion, World Tag Team Champions, they want their revenge for the attack at the Ring of Honor show. So I love that. Also announced FTR is going to be going against the Rock and Roll Express, which has been a dream match for both Cash and Dax for a very long time. Robert doesn't wrestle too much anymore. Ricky's usually wrestling with Kerry, his son. Uh, but just, I mean, it, guys that embody the Horsemen and the Midnight Express and love them so much get to go against both of their, one of their biggest rivals with the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, I don't know where they're doing it, but if I get a chance to watch that show on whatever fucking indie outlet it's coming from, I am very excited about that. But, uh, yeah, man, Briscoe's won FTR and FTR wants Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, I know. It's almost like we need to just drive to Spartanburg to see that match <laughs> on principle. Uh, I can see how much tickets are. If they're like 10 bucks, maybe we'll make that happen. Get a hotel or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, like the Briscoes are fucking incredible, man. <laughs> I was really hoping they were going to show up this week. They're te- they're really teasing it hard. Um, so, I mean, I think it's eventually going to happen, but, uh, this last promo was hilarious. He's like, where the hell was your little bosses 15 years ago? Didn't they have like a YouTube show or something? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously talking about the bucks, like there's some great shit in their promos and they're, you know, crazy as always. And every time I see, uh, Jay Briscoe, I can only think of that promo where he's like, turf funk didn't wear no mouthpiece. Talking about the uh, the American Dragon, Daniel Bryan, and uh, I think it was Roderick Strong at the time they were tagging together. But there's so many good matches for them. Now that Redragon's there, that's a match I want that I had forgotten about that I've seen in the past. Um, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Hey, maybe them boys show up in Spartanburg and they continue this thing out on Twitter. That's another thing. Like if, uh, if FTR is just beating the hell out of the Rock and Roll Express, hey. Oh, that, that's... That would be awesome if they came out and saved the Rock and Roll Express. I love them boys. They're like I said, they're they're like dirty, grimy, like nineteen seventies funk brothers, basically. Like it's fucking awesome. I love it. 
Uh, yeah, and they they lost the uh, in that NWA tag tournament to the Rock and Roll Express. So I mean, it's maybe I, I'm probably thinking about it a little too hard. I don't know if that's going to happen at this local indie fed or wherever the hell this match is taking place. I know it's taking place in Spartanburg, but I can't remember what federation it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're just going to continue to build this feud through Twitter, why the hell not? You know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go into AEW. We'll go over Dynamite and Rampage. Oh, man. Uh, you would think that I would just not be able to think of anything besides this first match uh, for the AEW World Championship between Hangman Page and Brian Danielson. But I think the biggest, and I feel bad for, for uh, both Ray Phoenix and obviously, um, oh, man, uh, who was the gent that they just signed? that blew out his knee on Monday. Oh, Jake Atlas. So on the same night that people saw that wrestling, because AEW, they do AEW Dark Elevation, then they do obviously Dynamite, and then they record Rampage, uh, you know, for that Friday. So the audience had to see both one of the worst, and I can't believe, Chris, that it was just a dislocation. One of the worst things I've ever seen on camera with Ray Phoenix, that a lot of people, including you, you know, which I don't blame. I wouldn't have seen it if I wasn't paying attention to the replay that had the other camera angle. But, I mean, ugh, just horrible elbow. And then I watched it last night. It was very subtle, but unfortunately, Jake Atlas completely blew out his knee. I don't even think Adam Cole knew towards the end how bad it was until, like, the referee and the uh, doc was like, yeah, yeah, back the fuck off. And they took the camera off of him. But just a uh, so, so apparently he came out on Twitter today and said his knee was fine. Oh, so, he did? Yeah, so he, he's apparently okay. Um, I don't oh. know if he, like, sprained it or bruised it, but, yeah, that, that came out right before the show, I meant to tell you. So that's on me. But, yeah, it, 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 it they, they basically almost – they were pretty much trying to stop the match. Um, but apparently he's okay. So that's good. It's also great that Ray Phoenix is okay because that is one of the gnarliest things I've seen in wrestling. Oh in a long time the shibata headbutt was gnarly but it wasn't gnarly until afterwards you know it settled in after we knew what the injury was because they finished that fucking match um which is still insane to me uh but and arm breaks they just look so terrible when it's like that like anderson silva in the past or sid or that one basketball player oh yeah, most recent memory is fucking Conor McGregor's leg just collapsing yeah. on itself. This was like that. So if you don't like that kind of stuff, don't look at the replay screen <laughs> that they show in the right corner if you're watching this thing on DVR because it was it was definitely gnarly. And I think you pointed it out, almost like when Sid does the, for whatever reason, tries to do a pump kick, which someone is doing in NXT now, by the way, a top rope pump kick i'm like you're gonna break your shit they almost did on that last show I, I pointed out who who was it that did that was that carmelo hayes i think so yeah yeah that's just a bad it's a bad idea jumping from a high platform and landing on one leg it's not not a good move yeah but fortunately like we said now I'm glad that you told me that because watching it, I was like, damn, I think Atlas is going to be out for a while if he fucking completely blew out his knee. That just sounds terribly painful. Glad that both guys are going to make a recovery. Um, Phoenix, I'm assuming he's going to be out still for a little while, but it's definitely not as bad 
as we all saw and thought it was based on the hyperextension and the dislocation on the elbow. But um, maybe this gives uh, – here's a question that a lot of people have been asking. I know we're not at this match, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, but it's on my mind fresh. Was Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus supposed to win, or was that an audible? I, you know, I don't know. I honestly, I, I, it almost felt like an audible, like Penta and Jungle Boy called it in the ring at the end. Because uh, they definitely went right to the finish. Yep. And there was still time left, like two or three minutes left of the show. And I, in and they had all the, the tag teams come out afterwards. It was awkward. And I don't know if that was because it didn't seem like it was planned because people were just in random gear, you know, like various, <laughs> various states of dress and undress. Uh, so I don't know. I, it's a good question. Maybe maybe Uncle Dave will give us some some more insight into that later this week or, or something. Because I, I could see it either way. I mean, if you think that guy. Because it looked like he fucking snapped his arm in half. So yeah, instead of stripping him of the title, it is better to just like flip whatever you're gonna do because they're gonna have to lose the titles anyways, right? So, um, yeah, I could I could see that either way. I haven't heard anything on that, but the end of the match definitely was called very quickly, as far as like when Pentagon got back in there, and I'm it actually turned out like a pretty cool finish, which I was surprised about, but um. Hey, it was a hell of a match up until that point. Ugh. I don't think I, I, I don't know why Luchasaurus. I mean, it looked crazy when he choke slammed him through that table because he jumped off. Normally, they just stand and and drop the guy. Maybe we know why now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's it was an insane spot. And I don't know, man. What was your feelings? Do you think that they just called like flip the finish? I kind of did because I noticed Pentagon keep on looking to the outside like, what the fuck's going on with my brother? Because if there's one shot, and you, they didn't have the camera on Ray Phoenix, but there's one shot where off to the left, obviously, you know, Ray Phoenix is right there. And you can see like five people, if not more, surrounding him. And even if he's shook up, because I saw when they went to the audience and they showed how Jericho was up there with Santana and Ortiz in the audience when they're showing all the tag teams. Like, Ortiz looked like he was kind of uh, worried. Like, he, you know, I don't know, just the, light, the look on his face and shit like that. But Or maybe it was Santana, who I'm thinking of. But it looked really bad. So maybe it was just called, like, hey, we'll do this. It was babyface versus babyface anyway, so we can keep on going direction that we're going to go to. And maybe FTR, another heel team, whoever, will take those from them. Uh, eventually in the future. But I'm happy regardless for Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I know Luchasaurus probably puts a lot of this on him. I don't think he was meant to jump off the fucking ring apron. He usually chokes something like that. You just toss him out and let them do their thing. And unfortunately, it was kind of his fault in a way for having his... I mean, he was holding him while he was doing it, but shit happens. I'm sure he blames himself, but luckily Ray Phoenix is okay. If they did call an audible, I think it will be fine, and at least Jungle Boy, especially, gets some type of <laughs> he gets some type of gold, and then gets responded on Twitter by MJF saying, "What? What, do you, what the hell did he say? You, you still fucking suck." <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, MJF was like, "He's like, I finally won the title." MJF's like, "You still suck." 
<laughs> which is great. The only the only thing that makes me think it's it wasn't an audible is that uh, Jungle Boy's mom and sister were there in the crowd, and usually that's point. kind of a spoil, spoiler of what they're going to do. Um, but I don't know, man. It it's even though Ray Phoenix says he's okay, he did dislocate his elbow, so I'm assuming that he's not going to be in the ring next week. So maybe this is a time you give Pentagon a little bit of a singles run. And if that's me and you case, both have clamored for. And if that's the case, man, maybe that's for the better. I think that both of them individually, especially with the amount of tag teams. Did you see all the ones that they had? Well, throw in the Briscoes because they're going to be there soon, too. You know, I think that. I don't know. They, they can go different places with this unfortunate event. And Pentagon and Phoenix, both as singles wrestlers, sound pretty fucking good. Yeah, I, you know, Ray Phoenix should come out to rubber band man by T.I. now, though, because I have no idea how he didn't have to have his arm cut off after that injury. <laughs> Jesus. Should Pentagon try the Pentagon dark character and go heal a little bit? Start whooping people's asses, breaking their fucking arms and shit maybe he gets mad because his brother was hurt if he's out for a couple months i mean if they want to do something cool they could do that and then have some kind of i mean if you need something for alistair black to do this is better than what they're currently doing with the varsity blondes like make alistair bring out the darkness in pentagon or something and kind of build to that that that'd be cool i wouldn't mind seeing a match between those two yeah That'd be, that would be pretty awesome. And then Ray Phoenix can come back and try to get his brother back in the light. You know, they can do something there. But Pentagon, Phoenix is one of the best in-ring wrestlers, I would say, of modern time period. Definitely high flyers. And I think Pentagon is one of the best characters. He's still a great wrestler, don't get me wrong. And great high flyer, but one of the best characters in professional wrestling today. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And I, and his character is so great that it kind of overshadows his wrestling ability sometimes because, like, uh, God, that match with him and Kenny Omega not that long ago, it didn't make my top five, but it was in it was on my list of matches to rewatch when we did our, our, our top fives. Um, that was a hell of a match. Remember that one? Yep. Well, you know that, and... and- I think we had different outtakes back when we did All In, but I think that was my favorite match of the night was over even Skrull and Okada was uh, Omega and Pentagon because Omega, IWGP champion, Pentagon at the time was the Lucha Underground champion. It was just my dream match for those two weird characters to interact in such a fast-paced match. Even though I think that Marty and Okada had the better slow-paced real wrestling match, I was just like, gave me the fucking god of wrestling and the demon of wrestling like and they did have a great rematch this last year yep well i mean obviously we want jake atlas and ray phoenix to hill up as fast as possible even though jake atlas says he's fine i'm sure he's not gonna like i said i I doubt that he's gonna be wrestling next week same with ray phoenix so well wishes from wrestling geeks alliance to both of those guys and a great member also to grab as part of the LGBT community, because Atlas was going to quit not too long ago. I think the guy's got a hell of a lot of potential. So, you know, I, I love his his uh, what, what cartwheel DDT he does on top rope. So 
We'll see what they do there. But still, another person added to the giant roster that is AEW. Yes, and uh, hell of a wrestler. I thought that match was really good until that spot, but I guess we'll get to that when we get to Rampage. Let's talk about the uh, thing that we have not really gone into detail of. Uh, The AEW World Championship match, Hangman, Adam Page, Brian Danielson. This match was old school as hell. This match was bloody. It was a lot of physicality. Yes, they did spots like they normally do. Like, uh, I love how Page, the first time he did the... uh, Another guy's got to worry about his knees exploding. I know I keep on saying that, but that's because I have bad knees, and I think about this shit every time. Page, that moots off to the outside, the first one was a miss and the second one he got him on but uh just i mean headbutts forearms punches very snug obviously i I joked to you but it was like you know shabbat just came back this week are we really gonna have a match that's mostly headbutts and both of them bleeding everywhere but you know with headbutts obviously in wrestling you're supposed to hit either on the chest or on the top of the head and try not to do it as fucking hard as Shibata did, and Shibata was fucking forehead to forehead. I'm surprised he didn't hurt Okada, honestly, in that. But lots of fucking headbutts, lots of forearms, lots of reversals of their moves. I love the first, uh, you know, um, uh, buckshot lariat. They tried the land, and Brian Danielson fucking collapsed. Very much like Omega's done before in the past, too, in matches. But it makes sense with Brian Danielson because he was bleeding like, like a stuck pig. You know, he was he was bleeding a lot. Uh, Page was bleeding a lot at the beginning too. his his hair, blonde, great visual, just like we've always said. That's why Dusty did it. That's why Flair did it. That's why a lot of guys in the bat in the uh, past used to dye their hair blonde was that visual. But I thought that they I think that the structure of the first match was better. But the brawling and overall fight feel for this one, even though it was shorter, I like this match better. And I think the right person won. Well, I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted, Chris. I like Adam Page as a champion. And, you know, if you keep on climbing with him, you can probably find him. He's he's one of your homegrown guys. But, damn. <sighs> Halfway in the match, I was kind of rooting for Brian Danielson. I'm not going to lie. Just because he's so dominating, it's like, let him keep on being Goku. But they went with Page, and either way, I was happy. I thought it was a great match. And, like I said, this match... The five-way match, Okada versus both Shingo and Osprey. Great way to start off the year. Yeah, they gave us some fucking great wrestling to start out the new year. I mean, it has been a pleasure to watch the majority of these shows because I feel like every show had a good match on it. Like, even the NXT show, which I wasn't a huge fan of, still had that great main event, right? And on Raw, you had the great main event. Um in AEW and all of the AEW shows had good fucking good matches. It's been a great year to start out wrestling. Uh, this was a hell of a fucking match. I think their first one was better. This was, I, God, I don't know if better. It was better in ring. This was maybe. This kind of reminds me of the Cody versus Dustin match, where it was the yeah. best match on the show and maybe one of the best matches in AEW, but it was because of the visuals. It was very like a 1970s kind of feel. This had that. I mean, it obviously had some big spots by Hangman because you can do that, but a lot of the match was just, you know, rolling elbows, like 
punch, just straight punches, headbutts, like you said, and a lot of them rolling into different submission moves. Like there's one where Daniel Bryan hooks in the label lock and cage gets out of that. And then he just hooks in a fucking heel hook. Like right after there's some good, like if you like amateur wrestling or UFC and shit, there's some good stuff as far as mat work in this match. Um, but that was also in the first match. So I, I don't know. I, I'm fine with Hangman retaining because I feel like AEW has done a good job of protecting their title. They haven't had any real short reigns. And uh, I mean, it just builds to, to it in the future. I'm assuming they're going to go punk next after he's done with MJF, right? Unless MJF wins and then they go MJF next. I feel like, and Solomon Monster said this, and I kind of agree with him. I don't think it's going to happen soon, but I really see the person taking that title from Adam Page being MJF. He, so. he would be a great he would be a great Hill champion. We haven't really had one since. Well, I mean, we, we ne, never mind. I, be, I guess I guess Kenny Omega is a heel. No. Not in the same sense as like Jericho, though, you know, where MJ, MJF is like the best heel in the business. So him having the title makes a lot of sense. I feel like there's a lot of matchups you can put because you could just throw MJF in against anyone. And he's going to give you a solid in-ring performance. But like the build up to the match is going to be fucking great. He's going to make you right. work if you're not that good on the mic. Like, imagine, like, a babyface Kenny Omega having to go against him trying to get his title back. He's going to make Kenny <laughs> go up a couple fucking notches. Unless Don just talks the whole entire time or some shit. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. Good stuff. I'm, uh, yeah, you know this what? Is- now thinking about it, whether it be Paige, however Kenny's going to be long, or however long Kenny's going to be gone, um, or uh, maybe potentially an MJF or a Brian Danielson, Kane's going to come back and be like, I never got a fucking rematch, right? He's going to pull that card. And I think he should. And, and whoever has the title at that point, it, it's going to be a really cool storyline because Kenny's not going to come back to what he left either. We're already seeing seeds of that with the young bucks and Redragon and uh, oh, yeah. Adam, Adam Cole trying to put them together. So when Kenny comes back, his entire group is in fucking disarray, right? So it would be a good time to bring him back as a big baby face. Like maybe instead of, uh, even if he's ready beforehand, maybe you save him off until you have one of those casino battle Royals to see who wins the title or wins a shot at the title, do that, you know, and then he can also deal with this group in the meantime while they set up that title match. So that's probably what I would do with Kenny Omega, unless they have like a date with Okada locked that we're unaware of. Um, that would probably be the best thing to do with Kenny. But this was a really good match. I think that I think it just depends on what you look for in wrestling on which one you liked more. And this was probably I I know I said the seven minute match was probably my favorite match of the year so far. I'm going to stand by that, even though I think this was probably better in ring. It's just I had more fun watching that seven minute match. Yeah, it was just it was just pure excitement the entire time. I'm not going to say it was the most incredible wrestling I've ever seen and in the best storytelling, even though I think Kevin Owens did do a good job of getting the story they gave him across. And they did do a good job with Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. I, I still think that was a great match. <laughs> Get at me, Dave. <laughs> no, no, I agree with you. Well, the thing is, I mean, honestly, uh, 
I wouldn't have said this a couple of years ago when I feel like he was just showing up for a paycheck, but it seems like he's a bit different. In the WWE style of, of, of wrestling, Brock Lesnar is one of those guys that every match he's in, he's going to fucking make it good. But then again, he also had Kevin Owens and Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins and Big E to work off of. But God, he's just, even if it's a short, short match, he's just fucking on top of it the whole entire time. So pr- pr- kudos he to is, Brock. He, he, he is the one wrestler they can book around his limitations and make the match look really good. And outside of like, you know, early John Cena and maybe Hogan, they've always had a hard time doing that. Yep. And I don't know if that's if that's Paul Heyman is setting up the majority of the match or what. I, I mean, obviously, Paul Heyman's got his hands all over, you know, Brock and Roman as far as what they're doing with those two guys. But uh, he looks incredible. And I think, you know, with Brock Lesnar. He realizes this is the first time in his career, probably that he couldn't go do something else. Like when he left WWE the first time, he made the Minnesota Vikings to play football (laughs) and then went to New Japan. (laughs) And then like, you know, then he was a UFC heavyweight champion. This is the first time where he realizes, like, probably I'm not going to be able to play football. I probably shouldn't do UFC again. So maybe his dedication level to wrestling and the fans that were there for him, et cetera, has kind of turned on him and made him like love wrestling. Like UFC fans aren't still talking about Brock Lesnar. You know what I mean? With people back at the fucking Marriott and taking pictures with the title belt with random fucking people at the bar. Uh, Like what? (laughs) Cabin man who goes out and kills moose (laughs) partying after he wins the damn title. I mean, I think and I think that's probably the mind was the mindset of Brock Lesnar. When you're that much of a freak of an athlete and you can do the like you can make the Minnesota Vikings and then just go to Japan and win a title and then go to UFC and fucking win the heavyweight title. Like your perspective on wrestling is probably a little different than like your average superstar that wants to be a wrestler. And I think now it's come full circle. He's like, man, these fans, they stood with me this entire time. And you can see it like. This is the first time you see Bro- I've seen Brock Lesnar where he seems like he's legitimately enjoying being there. And I think we started to see that when he had that match with Finn Balor. So he's he's doing a little bit more in the ring. He's looser when he's in like on mic situations and and not if not as afraid to talk and be who Brock Lesnar is. It's great, man. It's like the it's a different Brock Lesnar, but a very good Brock Lesnar. And uh yeah, as long as they continue to Make his matches, you know, under 10 minutes. Sweet. Just give us all the full speed. It's great. I mean, they did this with Batista as well during his championship run. So they've done uh, they've done a really great job with Brock Lesnar. And the match was just fucking incredible. Like everything made sense with what they were doing, the stories they were trying to tell. The only outlier would be, I guess I would have liked to have seen a bit more out of uh, Big E. But, uh, I mean, it's been my favorite match of the year and so also, far. also, don't take the pin either. Anyone else could have taken the pin besides Big E. I thought that. Yeah, like, Kevin, Kevin probably could have took the pin. It, yeah. He's kind it of Teflon with that shit. So, um, do you think people would have been less upset if Kevin took the pin instead of Big E? Um, yeah, I think so. And it, I think that if Seth took the pin since he's the heel, they probably would have been happiest with that. Even I don't think either of those guys at this point really have to worry about it when it comes to losing. Um, especially I think the visuals. 
<laughs> uh, visually seeing Kevin Owens go through the F5 does sound awesome. Well, I think the, like visually they wanted him to pick up the big one of the big strong guys, so they chose Big E because they were setting up the Lashley match because Brock hasn't pinned Lashley. Yeah. So it makes sense from that standpoint, but like you know, from a fan standpoint, people that are behind Big E and have been wanting him to be champion for a while, I think it you know that necessarily wasn't the best choice. Picking up fucking Kevin Owens and hitting him with an F5 is just as impressive as picking up Big E. I'm, <laughs> like. They're about the well. I think Biggie weighs a little more than Kevin, but it's it's sheer big men, big man meat. <laughs> big man slapping meat, yeah. Well, yeah. I just think I, my, I don't know. I love these fans that still bitch about Brock. Yeah, it sucks how it happened with Biggie and everything. But if you look at the landscape of things, if you look at you gotta you gotta take your mind out of stuff and think about you know things on a on a money standpoint. And Brock as a champ, even if this is short term or long term, is a draw. And I'm sorry, saying that he sucks or his credibility isn't there. This is a pass NCAA champion. This is a pass. He got the WWE belt. Then he got the world championship belt, the gold, big gold belt that holds lineage with the NWA belt going all the way back to how fucking ever long. Then, like you said, Vikings. Then, like you said, IWGP champion New Japan. Then, like you said, USC champion, then comes back, gets the championships, kills fucking both Cena and Randy Orton, two of the other biggest guys, a part of his fucking generation, and also gets the the, uh, the newest belt there, too, with the Universal Championship. I mean, I just it's it's just funny. I, I think Brock is fucking just unstoppable. Yeah, it in he's built his own mythos by being that guy. So, you know, this is not. People were so upset about this. They were acting like it was when Jinder Mahal won the title on Twitter. And I'm like, I fucking <laughs> it's Bro- it's Brock Lesnar. <laughs> you know, like it's this is uh, <laughs> he's beaten everyone that's in this match except for Big E. Like he's beat Kevin Owens. He's he's beat Seth Rollins. Uh, well, he hasn't beat Bobby Lashley. They've never given us that match. So uh, outside of that, like, I mean. I honestly did think that like Kevin Owens was going to win somehow, but I was wrong on my predictions. So he just seemed like that's the way we get away. He seemed like the safe pick for me, even before Brock Lesnar was introduced. And then he seemed like the super safe pick because if if they were going to take the title off Biggie, everyone would have been pissed regardless of who won it. Right. Yep. So it's fine. I mean, I love Big E. I think he'll get another title reign. Um, I don't think it's necessarily his fault that the last one was a little weak. There's just a lot of shifting parts in WWE all the time. You also had him shift brands in the middle of the year last year. Uh, Well, one thing that Ian, you both agree with. Quit having champions get beat by competitors to be able to get a championship match. That makes no fucking sense and just makes your championship. Even if it's a heel that does something fucking devious, but just flat out, which is what most of the time WWE does, it's stupid. Why would I even want to watch the match now? Well, it's really stupid when the guy does get a title shot and then like they just put two random other guys into the match just because. Um, yeah, Seth won that fair and square and kind of got fucked on that a little bit. 
Yeah, but I, I will give them credit. At least they paid off that four-way match. So yep. you know, maybe they're caring a little bit more about what they're telling the fans they're going to give them. Um, the cynical part of me thinks that Roman Reigns having COVID might just have been bullshit because six days is not that's not enough time to be quarantined in any other sport. If you tested positive, if he tested positive for COVID on Saturday, he's not back on the show on Friday. So it's all a work day. That's what I'm getting at. Using COVID as a work. That's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, let's actually move probably, I guess, on with um, AEW Dynamite since we just gushed about Brock Lesnar for <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, it made sense from where we were going. We were talking about our favorite matches this year and shit. But that five-way was great. All right, but uh, another thing that was great was this verbal jousting between CM Punk and MJF. Uh, thanks for Bleacher Report, like I usually use uh, for quotes. And, uh, yeah, MJF is supposed to have a match with Captain Sean Dean. Sean Dean's in the ring. CM Punk comes out. Uh, you know, he goes after MJF. MJF leaves the ring as soon as CM Punk comes in the ring, and he's in there with Sean Dean. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And MJF, you know, goes up the ramp and is, like, laughing and shit like that. Like, go fuck yourself. I'm not coming towards you. So what does CM Punk do? The match already started. The ref's trying to get him the hell out of there and get MJF back in the ring. Well, CM Punk just grabs uh, Sean Dean and, uh, you know, uh, gives him his finisher, go to sleep, and causes the first. uh, Apparently, Chris, this is the first time someone's been disqualified. Uh, in AEW, and gives, since we just restarted, the first loss of the year for MJF. Um, Before we get into some of the verbal stuff, I thought this was brilliant. And I thought, at first I was like, what the fuck is Punk doing? This makes him look stupid. When he did that, I was like, oh. And I even think I messaged you, like, that was actually some really smart writing. Because he just fucked MJF right at the start of the year. Yeah, and he built it to like I'm gonna do this in every one of your matches going forward, so that you fall so far below the like so far down in the rankings you'll never get a title shot, which I thought was great on the promo side. Um, yeah, very smart. Poor job guy was there to take a, a go to sleep. That's pretty much his job. He did it just fine. MJF's promo back and forth with Punk was pretty good. The only thing that bothered me about this is they. I think it was the very next match. They do a beatdown, toss the guy in the ring. He's clearly dead, and then the ref rings the bell with a note, like, doesn't DQ anyone. So they, like, almost killed the gimmick right off. (laughs) They did, like, something really smart and then something really dumb directly after. Um, But, like, if you can just ignore that, it was – it's really really fun. I mean, it adds something to that story where now you're going to have – CM Punk wearing a lucha mask and the crowd jumping out and interfering in MJF matches. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a neat added piece of that story where MJF is continuing to run from him, but now he can't because if he does, he he will never get a title shot, which it's kind of the most dick thing you can do if you're CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just loved it, man. I loved like you said, like him talking about the great bidding war of, of 2024 still. And like the difference between him and punk is that if he does decide to go to the other brand, 
that he will, uh, you know, headline WrestleMania, something that Punk's never done, uh, unlike his idol Roddy Roddy Piper, um, who's done it many a times. And then also Punk coming back was like, if the grass is always greener on that side, go ahead, man. Be a part of their buy one, get one free wrestle special of the year and and get your 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 main event. So I just thought these guys back and forth was they're they're two of the best talkers, man. I you know, you would I keep on thinking when one starts it that the other one's not going to be able to live up to the other person or if one gets really just reamed, usually punk by MJF by comments that they're toast. And now it, they can keep up with each other pretty well. Yeah, it started out like where, to me, Punk was kind of just getting demolished and he's picked it back up. But uh, MJF had some, like, what do you call him, PG Punk or PC Punk? It was pretty fucking funny. Well, uh, I love when the audience started actually chanting that and then he was like, he was trying to get them to turn on him again. Um, he doesn't want that. He, like, he, that's the last thing he wants is people like start chanting shit at his opponent. <laughs> There was one fan that was cheering for him after like the end of the promos, and he just looked at him and said, "I don't need your help, fat boy." <laughs> just like a, a very heel Ric Flair thing. Ric Flair used to say, "Shut up, fat boy," to fans. So that was a pop for that as well. <laughs> that wasn't. It was on mic, but it wasn't like deliberate. They just kind of caught MJF being a, a heel. It was great. Yeah, uh, just I love that stuff too. And by the way, uh. You know, the Flair podcast that's on. Flair's a big uh, fan of MJF. Weird. Um, it's so weird that basically what whatever the hell his host is, is making him watch. He's watching a hell of a lot more of all of wrestling right now. So uh, along with pissing off the uh, coach for the Georgia Bulldogs. But, you know, shit happens. Uh, where are we? Oh, next thing that's... Do you have something to say, buddy? Everyone... Everyone should take that shit with Ric Flair sports wise with a grain of salt because he's from Minnesota and he's had like 700 different favorite teams. So <laughs> that's a good point. He always gets called don't out get of the words. <laughs> yeah, don't get worked by Ric Flair in his love, of, love and not love of sports. Uh, I completely agree with you. All right. So Chris Jericho came out, cut a promo talking about TBS. Uh, when he was back in 99 in a match, and that was the last time he was there. So 2.0 comes out just yelling, just sounding just like the Quebecers, basically. Uh, the long-haired one, I forgot which member of 2.0, but the, the I would say the funnier one, the square head, which I don't get. I mean, he kind of does, but t- Jericho's really trying hard to get the square head, pinhead thing over. So he was working on that, but uh, he reminds me of the Mountie specifically, like very similar personality. I forgot what his name is, but the one that taught Kevin Owens, uh, Kevin Owens hates. Uh, but yeah, that was a distraction. Dana Garcia comes out and attacks Jericho, and we were kind of built towards when Eddie Kingston, Ortiz, and Santana made the save. This was going into their match uh, rampage. So uh, anything interesting you want to say about this promo? Uh, Jericho was awful here. I agree. This was not a, I mean, it, it set up a match, but as far as like this pinhead square head, this was not Jericho's best work. We'll say that. I would say square head. I'm more enjoying in these mic battles back and forth with Chris Jericho. And I don't even know his fucking real name. Um, just cause he's funny. 
He just got that letter Kenny hangover. You want the guy to be super Canadian all the time. <laughs> and his, he's French Canadian. He's got that weird voice. It's like that Canadian French merging. It's great. Kevin Owens sounds like that too. He's from the uh, same area of Quebec. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it was okay. It built to a match. It just, I don't know. They had to do something to kind of break up the the opening match and the main event for sure. So it, it was fine. We had a short match with, with Wardlow, uh, accompanied by Sean Spears, uh, you know, being told many a times to cut your matches shorter and just finish the person, but he's actually starting to work and like the energy from the audience telling him to keep on doing power bombs while Sean Spears is chastising him also in this match uh, and kind of, you know, interferes a bit. Uh, his opponent, Antonio Zambrano goes to the outside referees distracted. Uh, he gives him a DVD while they're on the floor. Obviously Wardlow doesn't need it. So he tells him just to pin him like I'm going to finish the guy and you pin him and Wardlow uh, says, fuck that and gave him about five power bombs. And then, Gave him a win. That poor guy had to get a DVD on the outside and then come in and get five power bombs by Wardlow. I'm sure his back was feeling great in the morning. But I like this uh, small stuff from, you know, it's funny. I've, we've we've always, it's not that he's a bad worker. We just, I don't think me or Chris, I don't want to speak for you, have ever been the biggest Sean Spears fan. But his stuff as this manager for Wardlow and trying to keep tell him what to do and keep him in line for MJF. I'm actually enjoying it more so than a lot of his chairman bullshit gimmick and stuff he's done before in the past. But uh, yeah, I love Wardlow. I think this is great. Yeah. I like Wardlow a lot. I'm I'm not a huge fan of Sean Spears and he's basically a wet sock, man. Like once the tin gimmick was gone, (laughs) it's, uh, I'm sorry. I, it, it's fine oh, with what they're doing with Wardlow, but it's fine with what they're doing with Wardlow. But yeah, like no, I, Sean, like Sean Spears, like you're great in the ring, man. There's a lot of people that have been really good in the ring that I don't like, so don't feel bad. Um, I this killed the this killed the the CM Punk thing because the ref clearly sees him hit him with a Death Valley driver. He rolls him into the ring, and the ref just rings the bell. <laughs> He's like, that's good. Start the match with the guy laying down. So to me, it like killed something they did earlier on the show. Oh, I see what you're saying completely now. Yeah, because the guy never even stood up. The ref just rung the bell while he was laying on the mat. And then Wardlow just picks him up and power bombs him five times. So like it made Wardlow look good, but it also killed one of your segments earlier in the show. I don't know that people pay that that as much attention as I do to some of this stuff, obviously. But if you're going to do a DQ, would this not be a DQ? Or at least let the guy stand back up before you ring the bell. It was just kind of dumb. Yeah. You know, and I usually pay attention to stuff like that, but I that, that went over my head. That makes a lot of sense. Um. Anyways, let's uh, move on to the – but anyways, I think that we can both agree, Chris. The Wardlow experiment is going good by itself, and they are making him that dominating, I guess, Brock Lesnar, if you will, Bill Goldberg-esque dude. Yeah, they need to give him some legitimate wins, though, because every time they've put him against any kind of real – like higher up on the card, he's lost. For instance, Cody Rhodes, 
So they need to give him some wins over some notable names. Uh, maybe Miro, like him and Miro would Ooh. have a good match. I know they're both heels, but that might be good for if you're trying to make Wardlow be a dominating monster. Uh, like Miro, I guess, because the other one would be uh, was it Hobbs? Yeah, but they're in a kind. They're like that would be another one. I, I don't know. He needs someone big, like a bigger name to beat to make you care about him a little bit more. Um, I'm assuming they're still trying to set up the feud with him and name JF eventually. So maybe that will start down. Maybe we'll start down that path next week because I think we have what CM Punk versus uh, Wardlow. That was part of the MJF promo. Yep. Uh, TBS Championship Tournament Final. Ruby Soho went against Jade Cargill. Um, this match was fine. Uh, Ruby, it's just Jade is... She's good with her facial expressions. She understands a lot of aspects of wrestling. It's just some of the stuff, when you try to speed it up a little, she gets exposed completely. Um, I don't think it's to like a Mandy Rose level where we're going to keep on going with this. I think she has potential and she has a lot of like I, I compared her to Chris when we were talking about this to Lex Luger, which Lex, honestly, at the beginning of his career, uh, before he started really making a lot of money, he was actually when he was in a match with Barry Windham, he was a lot more athletic and showed a lot more potential. And then when he realized that he could just slow it down and not do as much. He got lazy and kind of like lost a lot of that, you know, ability. But with Jade, I just, I see it. That's not the problem. The problem is her abilities in the ring. And when you have two matches, one with Thunder Rosa and one with Ruby Soho, and they're fine, I'm not blaming the other two. They're putting those matches to make you look better, but sometimes it falls back on you. But the, the moment with her daughter at the end, I thought was great. Uh, if you show her daughter in the audience and, and talk about her right beforehand, that's like a dead giveaway that she's going to win. But I thought she was going to win anyways. I almost didn't see them going in this direction. I told you, no, give her, you know, I don't know. I, I think that she's going to end up winning it. Not that I want her to, but I just think that they're going to put it on her. So that's what they did, Chris. And uh, decent match. Ruby Soho did what she could do. It's definitely looks like with Mercedes uh, Martinez trying to get involved and then Thunder Rosa coming out that Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez are going to be going uh, in a direction probably to space out her getting back to Brit. So that should be good. Uh, Thunder Rosa has talked about that. She loves working with Mercedes because they used to do it on the independence, but I don't know where Jade goes. And um, yeah, I don't know where Ruby goes really either. Ruby probably going to elevation. I don't know. They kind of set up something with her and Britt there. So maybe she'll be going. They paid, it against, off the, uh, they paid it off in the tag match last night, but it was, I don't know if it's going to go past that. Yeah. So I, I don't know what they're doing with Ruby. Uh, Jade Cargill winning here. I'm fine with the match was okay. I think there was a lot of extracurricular shit that wasn't needed. Like where, why is Mark Sterling her manager? If she's not a heel. I don't know. And she's she, that's actually one thing she's decent on. She has a lot of confidence on the mic. I don't know if she needs a manager. There's definitely other people in AEW that could use Mark Sterling. 
Yeah, I have no problem with Mark Sterling. I actually kind of enjoy him on uh, the rest the major wrestling figures podcast. He's a pretty funny guy, but it's just it's no point. He yeah, he hits a distraction in this match, but it didn't affect the match at all. He just got ejected. Like it didn't even happen during any kind of like spot or like a near fall or anything like that. It was just like he just got kicked out of the match. And then, like you said, like, why did Mercedes Martinez have to run out? I mean, I know to set up the Thunder Rosa thing, but couldn't you just done like a backstage brawl or something? There there was some stuff added in this match that did need to be there that kind of detracted from the match itself. And the finish was terrifying. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, Jade was supposed to go to the top rope for this avalanche and she couldn't get her footing. So she tried to do it from the second rope and they both looked like they fucking died when they landed. Oh, um, whatever her move is called. What is the jaded? She tried to hit like an avalanche jaded and it was, ugh. it looks bad. And it, it looked like it hurt for Ruby. <laughs> yeah. But, um, We'll, we'll see where this goes. It's just uh, interesting that, uh, I don't know if this is the direction they're choosing to go, I guess. I, it, uh, Jade looks like a formidable champion. I just, like I said, I don't, I'm not in love with her in ring work. Um, my, my, my only problem with this is that they have a hard enough time getting one mat, one female match on their shows, and now they have two titles. So... When the hell is Burt Baker wrestling again, basically? And she's your actual champion. You don't, they don't need two titles for this. Yeah, they don't. Then again, you know, especially since he's... The thing is, and we've talked about this, especially since they have two titles, is, you know, with Rampage, it would be time, and I think that's what you're saying, as being the problem, because, you know, you can have these two divisions. If you put a couple ladies in the divisions, it's not like the men's where you're like, whoa! There have so many fucking people. The women's actually w- could use an Ember Moon or could use whoever, a Taya Valkyrie, um, you know, get them in there and shit. Uh, kind of like the backstaff thing. I meant to say that earlier. It's like a lot of people, you know, when it comes to AEW with this type of thing, I think using William Regal in the back would be beneficial as a producer. I think that Road Dog, as someone that's done a lot of stuff, they'd lost Keith Mitchell. Uh, which was operating all their shit, it would be beneficial for some of the back people. Uh, but we don't need really that many more male wrestlers on the roster. I know he's still going to grab some. He already talked about the dream signing. But uh, I don't remember what I was talking about. Hey, the dream signing, who do you think that's going to be, Jeff Hardy? Uh, I mean, I would say Jeff Hardy, unless he knew Samoa Joe was going to get fired. <laughs> Maybe could be one those before. would be able to- does Tony look at these like like action figures? Like, is there a little bit of the money mark in there, you know, that people just don't want to deny? I think people. So, yes, he has signed maybe signed too much talent for a show, but like this is also a man that runs like a football team with fifty two people on it that all make over two million dollars a year. The average wrestler makes like. In WWE, if you're like on the main roster, you might make like a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year. So, in the realm of people like Tony Khan signing wrestlers, that is not even close to what he's paying for soccer stars or football stars. Yeah, 
That's a good point. That is a very good point. And if he can allow them to work in other places like he has been working with other bigger organizations like he has done, you know, and having the YouTube stuff for the YouTube people, if you will, and his main stuff. That is a good point. That is a good point. Because I'm kind of like you, too. I don't mind as long as he picks smart people like a carrying cross, I think, would be a good potential person. Uh, Keith Lee, uh, you know, we've talked about um, Bray Wyatt, uh, but it's just like everyone doesn't need to. But I am happier when guys like Nice and, and, and Atlas get a chance to be on stuff. You just know that they're going to be probably more positioned, I would say, towards the YouTube stuff. You know, he just likes to have a lot of toys. Yeah, like I'm, I'm happy that all these guys are getting paid. But like, for instance, Jay Lethal. Yes. Yeah. I, I, Should be I, fucking I, championship picture. Yeah, I want to see like some of the guys that he's signing. I want. I definitely want to see them more often. Um. Yep. I mean, WCW had this problem where they had like a bazillion fucking people signed, and a lot of times you wouldn't see maybe the person you would want to see, right? Like if you're a Dean Malenko fan, um. You know, you saw Dean quite often, but that cruiserweight division was so heavy, you know, it could go week from it might be like three or four weeks before you saw Dean Malenko again. Um, so you're they're already running into this. Like, when's the last time you saw Jay Lethal? Yeah, I, I since he got eliminated from that battle royal from Matt Hardy, uh, who punched him in the face with brass knucks, I think that was yeah, it. So- so basically, like, I don't care how much money Tony Khan spends. That's none of my business. It's his fucking money, right? But, like, it does suck when some of your favorite wrestlers get signed and they have nothing for them to do. Well, that, that is more of the worry. I was higher on him um, than lately, and then maybe it's not his fault. I don't think he's one of the best guys on the mic, but I think he's talented in the ring based on his size. But where the fuck has Brian Cage been? Uh, I mean, they kind of shifted everything from that Taz storyline to push hook, which I don't necessarily think is a bad idea. I'm assuming that it will eventually break down to cage and hook because they were ousting him from that group. Yeah, that was a while ago, though. That's all I'm saying. Like, you're right, though. There are people where, you know, they kind of haven't had Miro on in a long time. It's but then again. We, we kind of tend to forget, Tony said, and I don't know if this is beneficial or not, I've heard a lot of the older wrestling minds not thinking this is the best idea, but cycling people out, giving them some time off for a little while, bringing them back when there's room for him and shit like that, um, instead of just nonstop. I don't know if that's the smartest way, but I can see why he does it, if that is the case. Yeah, I mean, he does that with some people, but Darby Allen's on every show. Yeah. Well, I guess he thinks uh, it's uh, prime players. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you have to eventually, like, if you're going to sign these guys, you got to put them on TV. <laughs> like, yep. Christian's on every show. Like, if you want to get the guy out, if you're signing Jay Lethal, I would assume that you're signing Jay Lethal for a reason, not just because he's Jay Lethal. Like, he's a great athlete. Put him in the ring with people. Give him some matches. Give him time to get himself over. Like, he's he's been in the business for, like, 20 years. He's going to be able to get himself over with your crowd. So like there's certain that's that's the only downfall. It, the money part I don't care about. Like it, it's more just like I hate when people are getting signed. And I'm never going to get to see him wrestle. No, uh, it makes. I feel that way to an extent about Adam Cole. 
just because it's like I feel like I like the direction it's going in now because I didn't think at the time when he first came there that both O'Reilly and fucking Bobby Fish were going to be right behind him. But, you know, him now probably turning on the Bucks, beating the crap out of them, and sending the Bucks baby face, having the undisputed era, if you will, between these three, what we're used to as a heel team, Kenny coming back as baby face, them all going back and forth. But I want to see Adam Cole in the championship picture eventually. And I think he's taken a loss. Has he not taken a loss since he's been on the fucking thing? I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, not a singles loss. Maybe he lost in a three. I mean, he's been in a bunch of those three-way matches with the Bucks. They need to lose two in a row to me at all. But at least it was for a championship belt in part of the battle royal where he got fucked over, I guess. Yeah, so with Adam Cole, I mean... With the male division, it does point that they need like a trios championship. I know I just said they didn't need a TBS title, but because of the amount of tag teams and groups that they have, it would be beneficial to do like a trios tournament to get more of these people involved. Um, and you could put random teams together too, you know, for like a trios title. They need to do something to get these people on TV. That being said, like, hey, make your fucking money. If you're Jay Lethal and you're getting paid, more than you were in Ring of Honor or the same amount and you don't have to wrestle. I mean, good for you, I guess. You know, it just sucks. Cause unless like you want to wrestle a lot. Yeah, unless you want to wrestle, that's the caveat. But, uh, you know, Tony seems like he lets these people go wrestle in other places. So I think it – I think there's good and bad with, with some of this because – if you're wanting to see that person, your favorite wrestle, make a big impact on the show, you might not necessarily see that, but you do get to see them, I guess, wrestle in other places. Like if you follow one wrestler, it's just kind of a weird take on it, but I'm sure people are very appreciative about it as opposed to like WWE where you're going to be wrestling, you know, on Monday night, traveling to a house show, and then you're just consistently there because that the wear and tear on your body. Um, versus what they do in AEW. It's almost like Tony Khan treats it, his actual shows like it, he's a territory booker. Where he's like, well, I yeah. don't want people to see the same lineups each time. Which, it makes sense, but there's certain people that he have signed. Like Miro, who I think has been absolutely incredible for the past six months. That should be on TV way more. <laughs> like... True. No, I, I I definitely agree with you on that. But what we really need is more Cody Rhodes. That's what everyone's clamoring for, Dane. I've heard. Well, we won't have to worry about tonight at the uh, Battle of the Belt show, which will go at the end of this whole entire EW run, because uh, he's not going to be there for medical reasons. Um, full, we'll 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 get to that whole entire thing, but yeah, that is funny. Or honestly, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be a dick. But when you have people like Jay Lethal and Miro off television for weeks, I, and Dark Order hasn't been on a lot lately, but it would be the same thing I feel like to them. But sometimes I don't need to fucking see Orange Cassidy every week, or at least the best friends. I know that what's his name just came back, but or even 2.0, and I, and I like 2.0. It just seems like either bring me. The new new guys and get them established, which once in a while you do, and then all of a sudden I haven't seen uh, De- Deontay Martin fucking forever. Um, 
keep that going on and keep some of your top guys, I would say. And you can have them, but every week while Miro sits at home, while Jay Lethal sits at home, that does sound kind of dumb to me, honestly. But I know that you like Orange Cassidy, and I do too, to an extent, but I don't need to see him every fucking week if Miro and Jay Lethal are home. Well, especially if Orange Cassidy's not actually having a match and there's no storyline involved. If he's just there randomly, then that's a segment you could give to someone else. They're going to eventually run into, like, we need to book, like, shorter matches, which is going to take away from what AEW is supposed to be. Because what will happen is they will eventually have to start shoving these guys into the card. So you'll end up with these four-minute WWE matches, which I think is everyone's fear when they talk about like Tony Khan is, you know, signing too many people. Um, but whatever, who knows? Maybe he's got like a third show that's going to be on TV <laughs> soon. <laughs> Maybe he is going to do that crazy ring of honor thing you were talking about. Like, I don't necessarily want another wrestling show, but uh, with the amount of talent he has, you could you could make an argument that maybe maybe his show should be three hours or maybe Rampage should be two hours. Maybe he should do two hours and two hours instead of one hour. I think you would get more people on TV that, that way. Um, actually, I would do that as opposed to having a three hour show. It's just that's just a lot to take in. The only thing with Rampage, though, the problem is. Do you try to get audience from 11 till midnight? That's going to be a hard feat even on a Friday night because people go out. Or do you try to go head-to-head for the last hour of SmackDown on Fox? I think you started at 9. And do You just started an hour early. There's not as much crossover as people think between those two shows. Rampage SmackDown? Yeah. I mean, it's, SmackDown has if there was a lot of if there was a lot of people if there was a lot of crossover. I mean, SmackDown has two point something million people watching it, and Rampage has like five hundred, six hundred thousand people watching it. I don't necessarily know that there's a huge crossover. And if if you're, I don't know, you definitely could. I mean, you could start instead of do it, you could start it earlier on Saturday. <laughs> like, That's a good point. I don't know. Do six to eight o'clock. <laughs> They're usually just showing like a Star Wars we'll prequel during that watch. time, anyways. <laughs> yeah, well, you're true. Yeah, night. Yeah, Saturday <laughs> before football starts, run it on Sunday <laughs> or something. Like that would be very old school. <laughs> you wake up on Sunday at ten to watch two hours of AEW. No, I'm in at night. Like, why? I don't understand why they can't do it at like six, like six to eight. No, that that would be fine with me. If anything, that's pumping up the wrestling energy. So, yeah, it's uh, like like I said, what what the hell else are they showing on TNT six to eight on Saturday? It's gonna be like a fucking Star Wars prequel, or like that RoboCop reboot that they seem to show a lot, or that one Ben Affleck movie I can never think of the, the name of. I actually forgot it on purpose. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. And that's the thing is like, will there be another show in the future? But let's get back to Dynamite. We got a couple matches left. Brian Pillman Jr., Malachi Black. When this is on paper, I thought this is going to be a good match. And 
I think a lot of the stuff that they did at the beginning was fine, but it was a lot of Malachi dominating. Um, I think Pillman's messed up the air Pillman once before. See this, if they did it once before and they, he was supposed to, I don't know why they just didn't have him do it and get hit by the uh, black mass. Cause that visual kind of like a Shawn Michaels doing it, Shelton Benjamin with the, uh, you know, springboard into the sweet chin music that would look a lot more devastating than what happened, him tripping and then kind of stumbling into it. So I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was an accident. Uh, and if that's the case where he's messed it up, either work on it, man, or I don't know. Uh, I know it's his dad's move. So I, I think, I think Pillman's really good. I thought that he had a good fiery promo. Um, I'm not sure where they're going with this afterwards. We had Malachi kind of stalking Julia Hart, who's wearing an eye patch. Why? Like, wouldn't you think, wouldn't both of her eyes be? Whatever. I'm not going to even fucking go into that. Uh, when she gets in the ring, we have the Lucha Brothers come out to take care of business because they're still pissed off about Malachi with Peck. Um, and they hit the ring. Lights go off. Black is then on the ramp when the lights come back on. I really thought this was going to be Brody King coming out for the first time. I was really confused later on during the main event. They had the lights go on and off. I don't know what the hell that was all about. But, uh, you know, the champs checked on Pillman and uh, that was it. So I guess we're still waiting for the, you know, with with Brody King coming out. Not 100 percent sure, Chris. Yeah, I didn't care anything about this match. <laughs> I don't like the current storyline of him attacking. Like, uh, I feel like Malachi Black should be doing more or this just shouldn't be on the show. I did think Brody King was coming out when the lights flashed. As far as when they did it in the main event, I guess it's because the Lucha Brothers ran down, but it, it didn't equate to anything in the match. Everyone just stood there. So I don't know if they missed a spot or something they were supposed to do in that match, but it it was just awkward. Um, I like Brian Pillman Jr. I don't necessarily like him in this feud, and I don't understand why she has a fucking eye patch on from the mist. <laughs> he spit too hard and put her eye out. Like, what did he do? Spit razors out? Like, they'll spit your eye out. It's it's dumb. All right, and I agree with you. <laughs> the last match, we had the AEW Tag Championship match. We already talked about the stuff with Phoenix, so we can just kind of excuse it, because this was a really good tag match just until that ending. Um, just a furious, fast-paced match. I thought all everyone looked really good in this, and, you know, like I said, we've talked a little bit about this match. Um, Jungle Express, your new champions, and afterwards... Like Chris said, all the tag teams came out. We had Santana Ortiz and Jericho up sitting in the audience watching the match. So watching intently that all these tag teams are now after you. And there is a lot of great tag teams. It was great seeing Redragon with all these different tag teams. And, uh, yeah, tag division's strong, especially if the Briscoes are coming in AEW. And uh, I don't know. But Johnny taking some time off. Um, uh, Johnny Gargano taking some time off, uh, you know, for his baby right now before he thinks about anything with wrestling. At least that's what he said. 
You know, I wouldn't let go of Champa in the next couple of months because that will just give them another fucking ridiculous tag team to put in there to me. Um, but yeah, how'd you think of the match outside of the whole thing with Phoenix getting hurt at the end? I thought it was a really good match. There was a lot of the Pentagon Phoenix issues where they stay in the ring way too long together. But that's yeah. just kind of par for any time they're doing something that. Like, I don't know. They should just call it a Lucha Rules match, and then it doesn't matter at that point. But uh, that would be the only thing that I disliked about this match. I will say that uh, Jungle Boy hit the ropes harder in this match. He didn't do that weird stumble step thing I bitched about, so maybe he's listening to our podcast, Dane. Uh, <laughs> sure he is. It, it was cool seeing, uh, you know, Jungle Boy win his first title. You get the the moment with the boy and his dinosaurs on the shoulders of Luchasaurus. And I, we pretty much talked about everything else. I mean, there was a crazy C4 or was it a C4 or a Canadian destroyer on the outside of the ring? It's the one the Pentagon hits. Ooh. It kind of looked crazy. Um, Phoenix did the cartwheel DDT at one point in this match, I think. Unless I'm confusing it with something else I watched. Um, he definitely did his run, run the ropes punt kick on the ape there were some cool spots on the apron i mean it's it's what you would expect from these two teams and uh, like you said it was a very good match up until the end and i think that on the show itself they did a good job of spacing out that big you know heavyweight title match in the tag championship match it made both of them feel important and they were both really good matches i agree well uh we watched it last night but recorded uh next up on rampage we had Hook going against Aaron Solo. I showed you, and maybe I was just hyped because of this match, because it was just fun. I think Hook has great, Jericho is the one who stayed this, great poise, great confidence. He's cocky. So his actions as the character that he is, I think he's really good in embodying that. But other than that, I thought that he was taking Aaron Solo and fucking suplexing his ass and kind of tossing him around and deadlifting him. Uh, he hit a jawbreaker. Uh, and then threw him with the capture suplex and then, uh, you know, was giving him the, uh, the trying to give him the cross face and then got him into the red ROM or Taz mission for the win. Like the, I love that he's calling it the red ROM. Uh, that's murder backwards for anyone that hasn't seen the shining, but, uh, dude, I, I love hook. He's up there at Braun Steiner. I just love, uh, the second or the, uh, the sons of these original legends coming out throughout the industry. Big fan of Hook. Liked this match. I liked him confronting QT Marshall, who said that he learned everything from him and just beating the crap out of him and throwing him around. QT is a much bigger dude. And, uh, yeah, you can tell Taz is pretty damn proud of uh, calling his son's matches on a Friday night. I guess it would be Wednesday night, technically, Chris. Yeah, I, I like Hook a lot. I thought this was a pretty fun match. Um, it's crazy how over he is already without ever touching a mic and having two matches under his belt. <laughs> I, mean, I wonder if like I wonder if Hook's gonna be Hook and or gonna be Brock, if you will, in this scenario, and Taz's gonna end up just being Paul Heyman, where he just talks for him most of the time. <laughs> It's interesting. I don't know if he can cut a promo. Yeah. I mean, well, there's, I mean, you could have worse managers than Taz. That's for sure. So uh, who knows? But 
good for him, man. He's gotten super over. He's wrestled two matches. We had like the best uh, selling shirt on AEW shop. <laughs> Beating CM Punk. That's uh. That's Jericho call it Hookamania. <laughs> yeah, it's running wild. Um, well, just yeah, by the way, though, we don't need a fucking four person booth. I mean, why do they do that? And I know who the odd man out is, and no one wants to say it, but it's Jericho. Yeah, I don't. Jericho doesn't need to be in the booth, especially if he's still working. If he's setting up a program with 2.0 or whatever, he doesn't need to be in the announce booth as well. I love Jericho, but I have a little bit of Jericho fatigue. I agree. All right, next match, we had Ruby Soho and Riho going against Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Um, that means that Ruby Soho did double duty that night. Good job for her. Uh, this match was fine. It was good in certain spots, awkward in others. It ended up with uh, Jamie Hayter going to punch uh, Ruby Soho and then, uh, you know, ducking and nailing Britt right in the face. And uh, Riho rolled her up right after that, and they got the win. And you could tell that, just like they've been doing in the past, Britt Baker was pretty pissed off at Jamie Hayter. So they're moving on with that. But uh, any other notes about this match, Chris? Yeah, it was fine. Um, Nothing to write home about. But they did at least pay off their building that, Britt Baker's never beaten Rio in any match, and she didn't beat her here. So there, I guess that's going to be the next title match is Rio versus Britt. Yep. Tonight, I believe. Do you think Jamie Hayter fucks Britt over and Rio gets the title tonight? Because you have to assume there's going to be at least one title change on here. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good point. Hmm. They could go that way. Yeah, that's that. That's the only title I could see changing. Because Cody's not defending his belt, right? Yep. Well, they're doing an interim. They're doing an interim uh, championship match between Dustin and uh, Sammy Guevara. That's so stupid. Uh. I, I hate interim titles, even in UFC. Like, it's <laughs> either strip the person or don't strip them. Don't make a second title. Then you're going to have to have, like, uh... Yeah, I agree with you, man. I don't know why they do them in UFC. I mean, I get it. But you can just give them a fucking list. When they come back, just give them a chance to get that title back. It's the same fucking thing, right? Yeah, or just do like we they did with Kenny Omega for forever in AAA. Just like don't put that title on the show. Yeah, like, just have a number one contender match. Or you know, that's that's the other thing is they didn't do a good job of setting this match up to me. Like, how is Dustin Rhodes the next in line for a title shot? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. That's a good point. I love that. <laughs> That's uh, whatever. And not only that, do we really want to put the championship belt on Sammy where he's probably going to end up losing again to Cody? 
Yeah, I mean, wouldn't it make more sense that it'd be Sammy and, and Miro, the guy he beat for the title? Yeah, that's who a good point. Should, who should be the number one contender, I guess, after Sammy. Uh, you know, uh, and that's the thing that we talk about, Chris. You know, we love AEW, but we're just honest, and they're not always perfect when it comes to some of their booking decisions. Even though, I know it's on the fly, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, what did what did Cody hurt, by the way? He's probably got COVID, and they're not telling us. No, okay. Like, That's what does I'm he doing. have like? Uh, I, we'll get into it later. But there's like a Pat McAfee he had like one of he had one of the best commentating lines of the week this week. Pat McAfee talking about Roman's COVID. Oh, I remember. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Cody. Um, I don't know. If you find out that he broke his ankle doing something stupid for one of those fucking TV shows or some shit, I'm going to be pissed. I just don't understand why he has the North American child. I don't understand why you give it to Sammy and then just put it on Cody. Yeah, I don't know. He got fucked over more than he did in his title run. All right. Um, Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz versus Daniel Garcia in 2.0. Uh, this is, a, I mean, this is a street fight. Very hard to keep up with, honestly. Um, a lot of stuff that you would see not going too brutal though at the same time, but at the beginning, Garcia started talking trash, Kingston, Santana and Ortiz kind of focused on him. And then the other two came in and kind of just grouped and they started beating them down. And then they're just fighting fucking everywhere. Um, it would, it would come to an end with like these combo of like kicks that Santana and Ortiz were doing back, back and forth and clotheslines. Uh, then they hit their finisher and right afterwards, Garcia attacked them, and they were all beating the crap out of the guys that won the fucking match until Jericho made the save. So once again, I think that Jericho's going to stick his talons to Eddie Kingston so he can suck a little bit of that blood like a vampire and get some of that uh, that uh, that energy from from one of the guys that's over. That sounds terrible. I'm, I'm hoping this is eventually just ending Jericho's crew. I think it's ran its course at this point. Yeah. But, uh, I guess we'll see. This, as far as well, like Santana really holding, Ortiz. It's really holding Jake Hager back, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's the one I'm worried about, not Santana and Ortiz. <laughs> does he have a UFC, does he have like an MMA fight coming up? Isn't he still in Bellator? No, he's chilling in a room with Miro, just looking at each other like, so when are they going to come get us? <laughs> I guess. Um, we've seen a lot of Santana and Ortiz street fights and no DQ fights. This one was not one of my favorites. It was fine, yeah. It's just kind of there. Honestly, Rampage, to be completely honest, you was completely skippable last night. And I don't like to say that about AEW events, but if you missed it, you wouldn't have missed anything. Yeah, I mean, Dynamite was such a big show. I wonder how they filmed this. <laughs> Did they do Rampage first? I don't know. I can't, I can't imagine being in that crowd and watching the fucking heavyweight title match and then the tag title match and then watching Rampage. <laughs> and it's a long it's a long process because I was at the one in Atlanta. It's a lot of fucking wrestling. 
All right. Well, uh, let's go into our predictions for Battle of the Belts. That's tonight, Chris. Three matches for a one-hour event on TNT. They're going to start doing this. Battle of the Belts, Clash of Champions. Anyone want to get the, uh, what they're trying to go for? Anyways, three matches. Ricky Starks versus Matt Seidel for the FTW Championship. Dustin Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara for the AEW TNT Championship. Uh, Britt Baker versus Riho for the Women's Championship. I meant four matches, I'm sorry. And Dustin Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara for the Interim TNT Championship. Uh, let's start off with Ricky Starks and Matt Seidel. Who you got winning in this? It's going to stay on Ricky Starks. But I hope... I hope Ricky's able to – maybe he's healed more up because he hasn't been wrestling a lot lately uh, from that – I mean, he broke one of the fucking vertebrae in his neck from a move from uh, Paige. But uh, maybe he's able to display a lot more of offense because he's usually kind of a fi- fast-paced wrestler, and he's working with Matt Seidel, who's basically, I mean, player coach at this point in his career kind of for the company. So they should have a good match. Ricky Stark's probably going over is what I'm assuming, Chris. Uh, I'm going to go with Ricky Starks. I could, I could see putting it on Matt Seidel and then having Hook win it back for that team to kind of set up them breaking up, but I don't know what they're doing with Hobbs and, uh, fucking Sabretooth. I can't think of his name right now. <laughs> Sabretooth. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. Like, I uh, say they'll probably just keep it on. Keep it <laughs> uh, that was funny and i did it in three matches i don't know why i repeated two of them but apologize guys kind of it's not early either so i can't even blame that i don't know i fucked up anyways dustin rhodes sammy guevara you know what? I At this point, I don't want to see Sammy get it and then lose it to Cody. If the idea is he's going to get it and they're going to say fuck it and let him keep it after he has a match against Cody, then fine. But no, I don't want to see him get this, have for two seconds, and have an even worse fucking title reign than the last one. Uh, the idea of Dustin getting it and him and Cody going at it, that seems kind of interesting. So maybe go that direction. They had a pretty good match before in the past, I think. I honestly don't care. I'm going to go with Dustin just because it seems like that'll further put Cody as a heel. That's what I'm thinking. But this is stupid. Uh, Baker and Riho. You think Riho? I'm going to go Baker, but I'm not sure. This is another one that's kind of up in the air for me. I'm not. The first match, I'm pretty sure Ricky Stark's going to win, but I'm not sure with the other two. So I'll watch this. This will be a nice little fun event. Uh, But I don't see any title changes happening unless it is Riho taking it off of Britt Baker. Yeah, I'm going to go with Riho. Like I said earlier, I think it'll have something to do with Jamie Hayter, though, not because Britt Baker, right? They'll figure a way to do some kind of weird finish. Um, why the hell even have this special if you're not going to have your heavyweight title on it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. I why? Well, I guess they wanted that rating for Dynamite, but yeah, why wouldn't you put that championship match on the Clash of the Champions pay-per-view you got? 
I mean, I get why they did it because it was the first night on TBS, but like could have set up a rematch or I don't know. They could have done something. It's just weird. Yep. All right. Well, uh, that was AEW this week. Let's go to the realm of SmackDown, go over the Women's Royal Rumble, and get the heck out of here. Um, big show today, guys. We had a lot to go over, uh, especially since, like I said, we did our best of last episode, so we didn't go over a lot of the news. So uh, I thought this beginning segment was great, Chris. Um, we have Roman come down, tells everyone to acknowledge him, Goes over some of the stuff going on. Says that the last two people that he wants to see in the world right now is Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. Cue Brock's music. Brock comes out with Heyman, all smiles and shit. They're in the ring. Paul goes to do his usual you know, intro for Brock Lesnar. He grabs the mic, does it for himself, face-to-face, in front of Roman Reigns, who's pissed off. Uh thought this was great and then we go back and forth first roman calling out paul Heyman as like a weasel or a rat or whatever paul Heyman's crying basically hiding behind brock and saying i was the one who did that for you i freaking loved you man and then brock's like Heyman, go in the corner and shut up and roman says hey don't talk to him like that and then roman gets in his face and paul says he he threatens him again and and you have Heyman telling Brock, hey, don't talk to him like that. And then he puts him in the corner again. The distraction causes Brock to have his face turned. As soon as he turns around, Roman Reigns nails him with a Superman punch, lays him out, smiles, leaves. And then we have, you know, our new Raw champion, uh, probably not too happy with his advocate, Paul Heyman, I would say. But uh, great opening. Yeah, this fucking love triangle is hilarious between these three. I mean, that's that is what it is. It's like your ex, your current girlfriend. You have to deal with them in a room together. Um, Paul Heyman was absolutely phenomenal. I didn't think he was that great on Monday, but this is uh, he returned to form from Paul Heyman. It was hilarious. And uh, I love happy, smiling Brock coming to the ring still it's it's great this is still the most fun storyline in wrestling right now for me it really is it's just i don't know it's just it's it's uh it's great and paul's in this position now where he's he's between the the tribal chief and and the beast and the two champions coincidentally of the uh wrestling so weird it's like it's like paul whatever he's a part of usually does well i don't know why he's not running one of these shows chris I mean, he tried to, and then they just stuck Aleister Black in a closet for six months or whatever. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, well, from there, I'm pretty sure Sammy was in the back cutting the pro- promo, and one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Johnny Knoxville, you know, starts coming up and uh, talking to Sammy. Sammy brushes him off, and uh, that would continue into a match that Shinsuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental Champion, comes out with his buddy Rick Boogs to support him in a match against Sammy. And uh, within that, Sammy basically loses to Rick Boogs. And not only loses, but then Johnny Knoxville comes out and and, and clo- or, uh, grabs him and throws him out of the ring. 
and Johnny's going back up the ramp, and they officially announced that Johnny Oxville, for doing that, has qualified for the Royal Rumble. This all sucked to me. I know, poor Sammy. <laughs> One of the best wrestlers in the entire world is doing this kind of dumb shit with Johnny Knoxville. It's insane. Um, I I don't understand why. Like, didn't he officially announce at the pay per view that he was going to be in the Rumble? Well, no, I yeah, I don't fucking know at this point. Stupid. Here's a question. Do you care at all that there's a new Jackass movie coming out? No, and we're directly that generation, you know? <laughs> I, 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 we, what, this is the third one? This, there's been too many just in general. Stop, guys. I, I, I would have been more excited if they did another, like, brand bad grandpa movie. <laughs> that was a good movie, actually. People don't talk about bad uh, grandpa. Put some spec on that name as opposed to like just a straight Jack. I mean, Jackass is such a it's it's almost like going back in time and watching like 99 raw <laughs> where it's like there's some things that were good about it. But <laughs> I, I like to try to keep that like nostalgia <laughs> for it instead of actually watching it. No, I completely agree with you. Um. Because now it's kind of pathetic, really, at this point. Kayla talks to the uh, New Day, and they are going to win the match uh, and get the gold for the main event against the Usos in their street fight. Uh, Charlotte comes out with, talk about poise. My lord, the women's SmackDown champion is in the ring, and she announces that uh, some of the members, at least 18 of them, for the women's Royal Rumble match. I have them here. Okay, so we have uh, Rhea Ripley, Nikki Ash, um, Hall of Famers, the Bella Twins. I don't know why that was written like that by itself. <laughs> Rhea Ripley, Nikki Ash, the Bella Twins, Shotzi, Natalia, Michelle McCool, Dana Brooke, uh, Carmella, Queen Zelina, um, uh, Mickey James, Tamina Snuka, Kelly Kelly, Aaliyah, Summer Rae, Naomi, Shayna Baszler, and Hall of Famer Lita. Lita's a very exciting choice. Uh, before we go into all the stupid shit, oh, I'll just actually lay it out right now. Naomi comes out. Her and Charlotte have a match. She gets fucked over once again by Sonya Deville. So I, there's going to be some type of match, maybe at Mania for this. Uh, I don't know. This is just wasting Naomi. But uh, the promo from Charlotte was great. Her and Naomi looked good in the ring, and I liked her announcing again after this. She's going to be in the Royal Rumble, and this time, if she wins it, she's going to choose an opponent that's worthy enough to go against her at WrestleMania. I hope she goes in that three and takes the whole thing. I know that people would fucking be pissed about that, but... There's 11 people, Chris, that we don't know who the hell they're going to be. We know Bailey and Oscar are definitely two of those people we could see happening. There's a lot of people, obviously, in NXT. Maybe a Trish Stratus shows up. But um, what do you think about all this? I hate Michelle McCool <laughs> and Kelly Kelly. Damn. So, 
Undertaker uh, better I'm be just gonna show. Just gonna say that on Front Street. If I hear "Hello," I'm just immediately it, I'm gonna tune out until something else happens in that match. Um, the Mickey James stuff is kind of cool, I guess. I, it's weird. I wouldn't do it personally if I was her, but you know, to each their own. Hopefully, she's getting a good payday for it. Uh, I have no problem with Charlotte winning this, actually. I think that's interesting. They've done this in the G1 previously, where the, the the champion has a chance to win the G1 and then choose whoever he wants to face at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, it doesn't really fit with Charlotte's character as being kind of a scumbag heel. Because, like, if she wins the Royal Rumble, who is she going to choose as her opponent? Like, the weakest person on the roster, I would assume, right? Yeah, and maybe they're like, uh, no, you can't do that. We're going to pick blah, blah, blah to go against you. Something like But it sets up an interesting storyline where it could be Asuka versus Charlotte at Mania or Bailey versus Charlotte at Mania, which I think makes a lot of sense. I, I don't see them setting it up, setting it up for for Becky at Mania? Like, I, I don't know what they're going to do. But then again, they could, if they're trying to unify the titles, the women's title is, is probably in more dire need than the actual heavyweight championships that they have. So I guess we will see. I was, uh, the, the big thing that this pointed out is that they do not have a lot of <laughs> people on their roster in the women's division, at least on the two main shows. Yeah, um, I just found out some information while I was searching, and this is actually really interesting. Uh, so talking about Mickey James, I kind of wanted to go into that a little bit. That is the biggest, you know, what the heck? You have an NWA signed wrestler who has the Impact Women's Knockout Champion going to be in the WWE Royal Rumble. And yeah, I agree with you. She probably should tell them to go fuck themselves, but she's probably just taking a payday. Try to put on good graces, maybe get in Impact and also WWE Hall of Fame, maybe in the same year this year, and just keep on kicking ass. But Mickey James has a match tonight, and this is actually – I was looking at – I kind of was like, is Mickey going against – like, is she actually have potential to being the champion into that? And she has a match against Deanna Perrazzo for that belt, so probably not, but – some pretty good ma- matches on this card, Chris. I wanted to go over, just uh, I'll just name them out loud. We first have Ace Austin, Chris Bay, Laredo Kid, Mike Bailey in a four-way match. Trey Miguel going against someone for that X Division Championship. Tre- Steve Macklin, don't know who that is. But then listen, Moose, Matt Cardona, and W. Morrissey, formerly uh, Big Kaz, for the Impact title. Mickey James and Deanna Perrazzo in a Texas death match. Um, an ultimate X match between, uh, Jordan Grace. Why is this all, is this all women? Oh, so it's all women contenders, but this is kind of, uh, Jordan Grace, Alicia Edwards, Chelsea Green, Lady Frost, Rosemary, and Tasha Steele. So I guess the winner will be going against Trey Miguel, uh, Josh Alexander versus, uh, Jonah. And then uh, 10-man hardcore. The biggest thing, Jonathan Gresham versus Chris Sabin for the R- Ring of Honor World Championship. I actually might check this out tonight. 
that card sounds a lot better than the uh, Clash of the Champions card or whatever the hell we were talking about for AEW. If I'm being completely honest, I, re- I that Matt Cardona match with uh, Morrissey and uh, Moose, those big men slapping meat, might be in there for that match. Uh, Gresham and Saban for the Ring of Honor Championship. What the fuck? That's the weirdest thing ever. Should be great. Chris Saban's been in ROH before, so that's that's interesting. Well, it's um, the fact that it's Impact, you know? Yeah, that's that's a stellar card. There's a lot of good matches on that card. I'll um, send it to you if you want to like look at it in detail later, but I definitely might watch it here, tonight. Here's the question. How much is the pay-per-view? <laughs> well, I know a way for free 95, so I might go with that. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, all right. All right, let's. Uh, uh, that sounds like an awesome card. There's some good matches on there. My boy Ace Austin's on there, so you know you're guaranteed at least one good match. Absolutely. In all honesty, Saban and fucking Gresham should kill it. I know that he's going against Alexander, I believe, in GCW for that title too. GCW man, they're just killing it. Fucking uh, whoever thought that we'd see Ricky Morton in a future fucking GCW death match. Please don't hurt Ricky, for Christ's sakes. Don't hurt pretty Ricky Morton, man. Because <laughs> you think he's going to get a pizza cutter from Nick Gage or something? Just on yeah, I, I don't know if I really want to see Ricky Morton at his age, or any age, get a pizza cutter to his fucking head. Uh, GCW has kind of stepped into that spot that Ring of Honor used to fill. Yep. In a weird way, at least as like a cultish. We've talked about this on the show previously, so go check out our past episodes. Uh, they've positioned themselves very, very well, and I have to say, a lot of that has to be credited to Matt Cardona showing up there and doing that match with Nick Gage. Yep, I would completely agree with you. Kind of put them on the map a bit. I'll, I'll kind of go over the, some of these quickly because it's like whatever. Deville. Once again, after Naomi lost, uh, just announced that she was a loser, was the loser, and that Flair, you know, won. So more with that storyline, I don't think anyone cares about. Kayla talked to the Usos about the new day. They said they were going to win, and that they're going to continue doing the 3D, uh, because uh, basically both Dudleys gave them their blessing. I saw both of them giving them praise afterwards for pulling it off right. So that's pretty cool. Uh, because I love that finisher. So, uh, Baron Corbin, Madcap Moss, uh, all did stuff where Madcap came out as Drew McIntyre. Drew is out because I think he has COVID. Uh, so they just talked shit about him. No one really gave a fuck. And then the Viking Raiders came out having matched against them. And somehow Moss and Corbin went against War Machine, who is another fucking tag team that's just in limbo at this thing. And uh, Sheamus talked shit about Drew McIntyre. Said that if anyone has reason to complain about stuff that's happened to him, it was Ridge Holland who broke his nose. And uh, yeah, we're off to the main event. Anything to talk about uh, beforehand, Chris, that you just thought was amazing? I'm fine with the Usos doing the 3D, but if I'm being completely honest, I the finisher I like is the Texas Cloverleaf splash they were doing there for a while. Uh, yeah. And then their finisher already is pretty awesome as a tag tag team. The normal one they do where they dive, they both dive off the top. I know it's a little harder to set up, 
like in the match, but they, I mean, the the problem with the Usos has never been their fucking finishers. That's for sure. Cause they've had some really cool ass finishers, but I'm fine with the 3d. Uh, outside of that, the Seamus stuff is interesting because him and Drew McIntyre will have a good match. It's just, we've already seen it. And then yep. I don't give a shit about Madcap Moss. He's got a stupid name and I don't care anything about the storyline that they have going. He's got a stupid name. I agree with you though. It's really dumb. What the, f- what the fuck is a Madcap mad Moss? Like, I, I don't... Maybe if it was like a... Like, <laughs> who, who's the guy that kind of looks like Bruiser Brody in AEW? Oh, uh... God dang it. Uh, Anthony Agogo? No, Agogo Camarato. Uh, Nick Camarato? Yeah, so like if you gave Nick Camarato the name Madcap Moss, it might work. Where the guy just looks like a crazy person, you're like, oh, that that's how he got the name Madcap Moss is because he's fucking, he looks like a crazy person. This guy just looks like a dude. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Hilarious. <laughs> no, I agree with you, but it's just God, Madcap Moss. I just think the whole thing's fucking stupid. Anyways, big main event: Usos, New Day. Uh, they were in a street fight. This is a good match. If you, if I were to compare street fights, I think I like this one more so than the one that we got on AEW. Uh, just because I mean these guys have years and years of chemistry, and also, doing a 3D through a table is going to, you know, get get my, my willies all, all in, a, in a jumble, if you will. Is, is that even a fucking saying? But a uh, fun match. And they paid tribute, like I said, to the 3D. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was the, uh, the pin. Usos win. Afterwards, before Roman was watching the match, Pierce came in and said, hey, I'm picking your person for the next pay-per-view. Uh, and Roman basically shoot him off. Like, I don't care. Go for it. Uh, we found out who that was looking like the Joker, like he has been laughing like a friggin' idiot in the doorway was Seth Rollins, who now will be going against Roman Reigns for the title. Probably one last person out of the big names that Roman's gone through from, like I've said, Kevin Owens, Balor to Brock to Cena, uh, on the way to WrestleMania. And, you know, well, they'll probably have a fucking great match, honestly. So we'll see how that goes. But this kind of proves that the whole entire two-brand concept is stupid. And we need to combine the titles and just do one fucking show between both networks with all the stars. So maybe that will happen. Probably not. They're probably just fucking with us again. Either way, decent SmackDown. It was mostly stuff involving Roman Usos, the main event, the beginning, that really got me through it. Some of the other stuff I could have done without. Like Charlotte during the promo, don't really like the Naomi storyline, so it was all right. It was, it was a, I liked the show better than Rampage. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought last night was kind of big in general. Um, so like if you're, if we're just doing a straight comparison, I guess I would say I, I, I if you're going to watch one of the two, I would probably watch SmackDown for the listeners out there. It was a good show. It had, had some decent matches on it. And, uh, I don't know. I like the, I like, kind of like that Seamus storyline just cause him and Drew McIntyre have great matches together. They try to kill each other, but they have good matches. So I'm cool with that. 
Um, yeah, the biggest thing coming out of this is obviously is the Seth Rollins getting a title shot. I mean, odd, but okay. I, I'm a little sad because I wanted them to do more with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins because it, it had, and I think you pointed this out, it almost had the Kevin Owens-Chris Jericho feel to it. Yeah. And it's one of the more interesting things they've done with either of those guys. No, man, I completely agree with you. Do you think Roman and uh, and Seth will, will burn it down, if you will, at Royal Rumble, Chris? Should be a very good match. And I, I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of fuckery happening just because, you know, Brock is also on the same card defending the title. I wouldn't be surprised if both those matches end in DQ or something weird and the title doesn't change, uh, unfortunately. But it should be a really good match leading up to that. Like, when's the last time we saw Seth and Roman? It's been a while. They've done it before. I guess when... Years, probably, right? Yeah, because Seth cashed in the money in the bank and won the title over Brock, and then Brock kind of left. And they did that Roman. So that would have been the last time. So what, 2016, 2017? Damn. It's been a while. At least from like a... For a title, at least. I mean, I'm sure they've had other matches against each other, but. Well, that was uh, all the wrestling that that we could possibly watch, I think, man. Um, That's that's the whole kit caboodle. So that's it. Hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day, evening, whatever, whenever you're listening to us. Hope you're having a good one. Uh, for new listeners, we do this show. We record it usually every Saturday. Have it out either Sunday or Monday following after that. And uh, we do this every week. So definitely listen to us. You can find us on all those downloadable products, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You know, what the fuck ever. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Subscribe. Hear us every week. And like I said, all of our old listeners, thank you for listening as always. Chris. Say goodbye to all the lovely people. Give any plugs you want to plug, and let's get the funk out of here. I got no plugs this week. Uh, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. If you want to talk to me on Facebook, Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you guys and uh, chat it up. Me and Dane have been having fun talking back and forth during these live shows. So if you guys want to do like a Discord or something, let us know. I think that could be fun. And uh I hope everybody has a great weekend. Happy New Year's once again. And, uh, hey, tune into this fucking Impact show. It's got a pretty good card. Absolutely. You guys have a happy New Year's. Um, Rest in peace to Big Three for outside of wrestling, but names, John Madden, Betty White, Sidney Poitier. Tragic. The older generation uh, is getting older and older. Someone preserve Dick Van Dyke already, damn it. Put him in a fucking glass case. But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening to us. Let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance always be with you. And as always, peace out.